0: And once again, so easy. Search Ufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door.
1: Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow-detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at HM.com. Thank you,
0: thank you. Gentlemen and guns, coming. What's up, guys? Brand new podcast this week. Uh... Real quick, let's run through some tour dates. Toledo Funny Bone, September 9th, 10th, and 11th. The Call in Sick to Work show on the 23rd of September in Tampa, Florida, my hometown. So call in sick to work. Get your tickets. Uh, Coward's going to be there. Galvin's going to be there. Spanish, uh, Carmen, uh, uh, Ralphie May. It's going to be a blast because the very next day, we're going on the Cowhead Cruise. Um, Next weekend after that, October 6th, 7th, and 8th, Philadelphia Helium. Comics Comedy Club at the Mohegan Sun the weekend after that, 13, 14, 15. Gotham, New York, the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, <coughs> November 3rd, my birthday. I'll be in the Dayton Funny Bone. Baltimore Comedy Factory, Tampa Improv, Morty's Comedy Joint, Fort Lauderdale, Florida Improv at the end of December. And the very last tour date I have this year is Oxnard. Oxnard? Oxnard, New Year's Eve. Uh, And those are my tour dates. I was just on Joe Coy's podcast. The reason I say this, the Coy Pond with Joe Coy, is it's a really good podcast. It's a really, really great podcast. So I'd I'd send everyone over there and check it out. I think you're really going to like it. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for the love. I've been checking out my numbers, obviously. And and the podcast is up over 50% downloads in the last 10 episodes I'm really happy, so keep downloading. I'll keep busting it out. They'll be out every Wednesday morning. Uh, I post them Tuesday night, but they'll be out every Wednesday morning, and uh, I am loving this podcast. I'm loving this podcast mostly because of the conversation I have that I'm sharing with you today with a guy that I have looked up to in comedy my entire career. Um, He's just a guy that he's been able to wear many hats in this business, but the main one you see him with every night out, is comic. And as a dad and as a guy who, who I kind of saw as like the first dad that was cool doing comedy that I liked. And I was like, oh yeah, he's not like talking about dad shit. He's talking about his dad life. And I, I mean, very honestly, that's the angle I come from at stand up is I don't try to like, not drop off crazy. It's my experience with fatherhood. And, uh, and I fucking just respect the living shit out of this guy. He's been in the podcast game six or seven years of Fitz Dog Radio, which is one of the greatest podcasts and Sirius XM shows out there. Uh, writer, comedian, really great guy, and my friend, and I feel like every time we get along, we get together, we just have an amazing fucking conversation. Uh, if you want, go back, I think go back probably three months, and I was on Fitz Dog Radio, and I'm telling you when I say this. It, is, it was one of the better interviews I've ever done, and it was just amazing because he is a consummate professional. You'll hear in mine. I just talk about me a whole bunch or whatever. It's my podcast. I'm a little bit of a mess. He's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, put your hands together, Greg Fitzsimmons.
2: This is podcast.
0: I never knew anything about... Um, I have such a great parenting thing I want to talk to you about today. Um, give me... talking that.
3: Check one, two for breakfast this morning. I had...
0: Um, I did a, I was a horrible parent last night, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. All the stuff, the, like, are you good with that with money stuff?
3: Yes. I'm all over that shit. Really? Yeah. My dad was in radio in New York and he went job to job. And sometimes I can remember him at one point not working for four years when he was like 40 years old and he, uh, does that, does he that drank p- a lot. Does and- that put life in perspective? Like, cause as a kid, you must've seen that and it probably
0: didn't register as much. Yeah. But, like, now I have a friend going through that who's, like, 43, <laughs> not working. And you look at it, you can see it, like, him in his head is like, fuck,
1: is it over? Yeah. Like, it's such a fucking... Especially in the entertainment business. <laughs>
3: yeah. You know, and he was... My father was in AM talk radio back when that was king. Yeah. You know, before FM, before Rush Limbaugh and all that type of stuff. AM radio was very personality-driven. Not di- Not very different than your show. It's just guys talking... Bringing in guests that you care about and getting into long form—that's what AM radio was. It was interesting. Really? You had it on in the background. They played maybe two or three records an hour, like some Frank Sinatra, some uh, you know uh, Mel Torme, or some some corny old. And then uh, and then they talked. So that style was going out of favor as FM became more popular. And so not only was he seeing him not have a job, he saw his whole niche going away. Really, so he had to kind of transform a little bit and get a little bit more. Hey, WABC, which wait, he so fucking wait. hated. So,
0: what was the like? What was the differentiation between AM and FM? Like, what would what would make someone go? Oh, he's an AM talent versus he's an FM talent.
3: Well, FM was all about rock music when it first started, so it was about you know guys like Scott Muni. Um, Jonathan Schwartz who would come on in, in New York and it was kind of it was more indie you know and they were playing first of all the frequency FM is frequency modulation which means that there's a uh, there's a longer wavelength which carries music in a much richer form you get lower basses and, and AM is made for talk because it is so kind of tinny it's you know you listen to sports on AM and I fucking never knew that yeah yeah. so
0: now why don't they why don't they and then, and I'm, I'll, I'll say as soon as I'll say this you'll go You'll go. Well, but would you want that? Which I'm sure is the question. But why don't they take podcasts and just plug them into AM?
3: Who Find- would want to? <laughs> who wants a fucking boss? No, but like, who just, wants to? Who wants to give away ninety percent of the ad revenue? Is that is well? That that's where the it thing. Goes? Is there's no money in radio anymore? Unless you're like, you know, the guys, this Preston and Steve in Philadelphia. Yeah. There's there's some monsters that have been around for a long time that make big money. Yeah, but for the or our old friend. uh um, My Calta, yeah, you know he, he he can he can make real money because he's in a big market and he's got a lot of listeners. But for other guys, they're making five figures and they're working their asses off and they're decent sized names in their markets.
0: I asked a guy in Richmond I was doing radio. It was our, our radio and he it was one of those recorded ones, and he had to do a Sherry's Berries ad. It was and I go, "Ooh, what do you get paid for your Sherry's Berries ads?" And he was like, "I don't." I went. Right. Oh, seriously? And he goes, why? I go, I read Sherry's Perry's ads. will me tell you how much I make? Yeah. And he was like, shut up. Yeah. He's like, I just fucking read them. Right, right. Was like, there is a, a part of that. But I, but I wonder, we're putting out so much content. I guess people are getting our content. What do we care? It's not like I don't more care. people are going to I mean, at one it.
3: point, Marin was picked up on NPR on Sundays, and they were playing, I don't know if it was like his best episode of the week or whatever, yeah. but it didn't last. It seems like it was on for maybe six months or a year. But, you know, look, You look at even the Sirius XM model and I mean, you're paying for a piece of metal up in space and offices full of people. We're sitting in your fucking house right now. Yeah. The only overhead you have is bandwidth, which is about a hundred bucks a month. (laughs) And then you, you don't even use a producer, do you? No, it's me. So you have zero overhead. You zero. get your ads, your ad, your ad agent takes his he takes his taste up front. He wets his beak and you're getting what 80% of the revenue yeah. from the ads?
0: It's, that's insane to think about. It's a
3: crazy business model.
0: Zero overhead.
3: Yes. I mean, your, your recorder, I have the same one. It costs about $450. Yeah. A couple $100 microphones. And we and we're good. You don't even use headphones, you fucking animal? No, I don't even know if I'm recording this. <laughs> 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 Just so people know, we're sitting in what looks like a ski chalet. It's all wood. It's cedar, right?
0: Yeah, it's all, all reclaimed lumber.
3: It's all beautiful cedar, and there's a there's a, uh, a a treadmill that Bert. I would imagine you've logged about six miles on it in all the years you've had. It.
0: Uh, my the sadly, I wish I'd. I, I I I was telling someone this the other day. I was like, I subscribe to the um, and I think it's because I was a fan of Stern. The uh, I'll tell you everything. Model of entertainment right like I don't have any secrets I'll tell you everything yeah the things I'm most embarrassed about I want to tell you first of course but one of the, my biggest flaws was ever was sharing that I like to I like to get on my treadmill with a, a bottle of wine and uh, and that's how I close out my nights <laughs> is I walk like four miles and drink a bottle of wine. And, while watching TV, while watching TV, yeah, <laughs> usually, usually, uh, Guy Fieri. I love diners, drive-ins, and dives, and and it just, <laughs> just, it just keeps on going. Yeah, right? and I and so I shared that I think on Rogan, and so now it's <laughs> all anyone says is, and, and then I shared another secret. I shared was there was a period of time where I was drinking boxes of wine, thinking it was a bottle. Yeah, it turns out it's like three and a half bottles, <laughs> and I was like murdering boxes going. I'm I'm doing good. Like I, I you know it's so funny. I'm almost at the end of this and I feel yeah. like I go to bed.
3: So would you get less drunk or more drunk from being on the treadmill?
0: Uh more drunk. It was a better drunk. Yeah. Um it was it's a positive drunk. Yeah, and you feel good about yourself. You yeah. feel like you burned those calories and drank those calories. I could and, see that. And I would get I would get skippy. Like I'd get to the point where I'd like skip and like <laughs> I would, it was really fun, but there was always a period of time that, like, towards the end, where you could tell I was—I could tell I was getting drunk. Yeah. Where I was like stepping on the side, and Crank, like, right. right, right. and I was like, "Okay, time to wrap this up." Yeah. And then there'd be a period like mid bottle of wine where I'm like, "I'm fucking, I'm jogging." Yeah. And you'd crank it up.
3: And then when you spill your wine,
0: no, uh, yes, you
3: just drink it all out of the bottle. Or you put it in a glass.
0: No, put it the bottle on one side, the glass on the other, and. Uh, but the, the wine glass tilted. It's one of those just uh, bulb glasses. Right. The tilted, it would just it would a- inevitably I'd fill it too high and it would spill off. So I'd have wine all in the where you're supposed to keep your cell phone.
3: Why not out. drink it out of the bottle, which is contained? Uh. Um, Feel too much like a wino. Well, you know what the thing with me with
0: wine is uh, is um, it's like a vacation. Do you know how like you go on vacation, and as you're packing, you're excited? That's yeah. me corking the wine. Right. It's this really great feeling. Really, really great feeling. And then the first couple glasses where I'm just past the neck, I can see it in the bottle, just dark. Yeah. And I feel like I got the whole week ahead of me. We just got to Hawaii. We just checked in. Let's get down to the pool, get our goggles on. Yeah. We're going snorkeling. Yeah. And then when I get to that last pour of wine it's like the of last night of dinner and i get almost sad nostalgic yeah. about your And but I, but i like to measure it out with glasses right. and kind of like and see because like towards that last one i go fuck it fill it all the way to the top like that last one i'm like dinner's gonna be great yeah and I just load it up i had a bottle of wine i haven't been drinking in i've been drinking at all uh for i don't know a couple few weeks yeah yeah and then uh she gets shakes no, no, I got depressed. Yeah, uh, you know, I thought about you because you talked about you talked about depression. Yeah, I, I got, I was getting depressed. I was like, I, I was just finding everything had like a a matte finish on it. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, this is odd because normally, if I stop drinking, I am immediately the most pleasurable person to be around.
3: Really? Like, oh,
0: through the fucking roof. Yeah, like annoyingly so.
3: Is it hard when you go on the road now? Do people expect you to drink with them? They send um,
0: shots to the stage and all that. Yeah, people send shots to the stage uh i i don't know I've, I've been pretty measured oh i didn't i didn't drink in Syracuse at all, and I think people wanted to drink, but I was just like sorry yeah. like i don't know i i there's nothing I can do for you in that moment i'd love to live that with you right now. I just don't feel like it
3: because I think that's what made it hard for Attell to quit yeah was they were people expected they demanded i mean Artie lang the same thing when you you know there's a you guys have a genre a big, of yeah par- drinking comedians it's it's it's
0: interesting. I've been, I've because been, I, I started thinking this. So I was signed up to do the Oddball Tour, and they canceled it. I heard. Yeah. The whole tour they canceled? They canceled everyone I was on.
3: Whoa. They canceled like
0: nine dates. I don't, I don't think they're canceling anymore.
3: Yeah, Diaz was on my podcast the other day, and he just kept looking at his phone while I was talking to him, distracted, as yeah. they're going, canceled, canceled, one by one. Well, I
0: think what the difference is, this is meant as a compliment, but it's going to come out backhanded. Okay. Every headliner they had was a fantastic comic. But I don't think they were event comics. So I think what they had was comedy fans. Yeah. But what they didn't have were event comics. Like Dave Chappelle is an event comic. You want it's like watching Jordan play. Right. You want to go watch him play before he retires. Right. Or LeBron. Yeah. Like like Carmelo Anthony is a great athlete, but I don't really He's not on my bucket list. So that, that tour needed to be made up of bucket list comics. Which is... Like, if you had had Artie Lang on it, people would have come out. You
3: think Artie's that huh. big still?
0: It, the difference is, Artie's an event. Oh, I see. I want to... Man, I'm, I'm fascinated I by see him. See it before he dies. Attell was an event. I mean, I remember going to... Yeah, but to, Attell wasn't headlining it. No, but, but if you had Dave Attell on that, when, when you had Attell, Hedberg... And Lewis Black, that was an event show because you right. were like, "Fuck, man, these guys go hard." Right. Now I, I take that and I, I kind of shift it to where I'm at in my career because I, I was like, I was like, I wonder if I'm becoming too much of an event comic and not enough of a comics comic. Okay. Like Sebastian is a comic that has comedy fans, yeah, guys who like comedy go see Sebastian, Fluffy, um, Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries is a little bit of an event comic, I think, but like. I don't know if this is coming off as an insult, and I don't mean it to, but like they're like, you mean like more of a crossover, like somebody who who almost the comedy's secondary, right? Like, like an Aziz
3: Ansari is an
0: event comic. I I think so. Like Amy is an event comic. You know, like, I think they're more, it's more, there's...
3: Do you think it's because their draw comes from TV rather than just stand-up? I don't, maybe... Like, Brian Regan is a comics comic.
0: Brian Regan is a comics comic. Yeah. He could, t- Brian Regan probably go through and go, I can tell you exactly how many tickets I can sell in Utah. Yeah. But, like, Chappelle, he gets I mean, Chappelle's like an event comic. like
3: Unlimited. You, he can literally sell unlimited amount of tickets. Because everyone, including my wife,
0: wants to go see him. Yeah. My wife knows nothing about fucking comedy. Right. But she wants to see... Dave Chappelle. Right. I mean, even when, like, if Brian, when Brian Regan walks in a room, I'm like, oh, for me, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's Brian Regan. How great is this? Mm. When Chappelle walks in a room, I'm like, oh, my God, a great white shark just swam past me, and it didn't fucking attack me. Yeah. Oh, God, he just said hi. How fucking crazy is this? Yeah. You know, it's it's a difference, and I don't know what the difference in, in, like, an event comic versus... But I but I do know that there are people that come see me do stand-up that I don't think they give a fuck about me telling a joke at all. Yeah. They want to see me do a shot. They want yeah. to see me take my shirt off. They want – it's really interesting. I've been kind of like whittling it down trying to figure out – you know, like Tom Segura is a comics comic. Yeah. People are comedy fans. They found him. Bill Burr, comics comic. Although, I don't I know. I think
3: he's a uh, – could he – has he done Audible? No. He wants to do his own thing. He doesn't want to want to be part of a tour.
0: Yeah, I don't. Th- yeah, I don't think
3: because it looks really bad now. If you're the headliners on this, were Fluffy was one,
0: Sebastian, Jim Jeffries, Dane Cook were the ones I think that got canceled. So
3: it looks bad because now you know it was a high profile thing. They they were advertising it. They went out with it and then they cancel it. And the truth is. You know what? Do, what do I know about these tours? But it sounded like they went pretty expensive. It was like hundred bucks a ticket plus the ticket fees are like a hundred like yeah. another thirty bucks. One hundred thirty bucks a ticket. I mean, Ooh. that's a, that's a lot to ask of people. It, it, it's the same people. The, the see the. I think the problem
0: was the people that want to go to Oddball are the same people that want to see Pearl Jam. They're not technically Pearl Jam fans, but yeah. they're like, I know it'll be a good show. Right, right, You know, the same people that go, oh, the Stones are here. Are they Grateful to- Dead? Yeah. <clears throat> they want to they wanna go see the event. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about, you know, like Guns N' Roses comes in. Yeah. My wife. ACDC. Lo- lost her mind. Yeah. I go, do you think they'll play anything new? She goes, I hope not. Like, that's Guns N' Roses. Right. So, like... I guarantee you the people on this lineup that were supposed to do Oddball were all working on new shit. Exactly. <laughs> and no one wants that. Yeah. They want fucking – they want Dane – they would have wanted Dane Cook to come out and gone,
3: pickles.
0: Yeah. And they would have been like,
3: fuck yeah. That's
0: right. – who's buying tickets, I guess. I don't know.
3: I don't really – I just don't think with these tours – I think what you saw with the first Oddball tour is, like you said, it's a really about the headliner. You know, yeah. I mean, granted, there's strong support acts. like, But Dave Attell was a support act. Attell's not good for 10,000 seats. He's yeah. probably good for, you know, 500, 700. Oh,
0: he'd be amazing in 700 seats.
3: Right. I wouldn't want to see him go over 700 seats. But I'm just saying in terms of what he brings to the tour, you know, yeah. you've got three guys that are good for 500 seats each. Yeah. But they're talking about 15,000 seat venues.
0: 15,000 seats. And it, They uh, they were not moving...
3: I heard nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we got like, we got number breakdowns at certain points and you were like, I mean, at one point I was like, I said to Segura, I was like, why don't me and you do Atlanta? We could sell that. Like, right. But like, you know, the other thing I think they messed up on, I mean, this, these are, this is not just my thought, it's other people's thoughts, but like, I don't know if they needed to pay me, Segura, Eliza, uh, fucking, um, uh, Tony, Tony Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe. I don't think they needed to pay us anything. I think what they should have done was gone around and gotten really strong feature acts who are good at f- doing 15 minutes. Yeah. And plugged them in for 500 bucks a show. Right. And they would have destroyed. Right. I can't, I have a really hard time at 15 minutes. Yeah. these There are feature acts that murder 15 minutes. Yeah. And they could have done that, in, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. They'll never do another Oddball again. I, don't, I think that works. Well, if oh. they
3: do, I think they'll be smart and do exactly what you just said and scale it back to, like, a seven, 8,000-seat theater. Um, but, you know, people get greedy. It, to me, it just feels like, why go that big? I don't think that's an enjoyable experience. People I've talked to that have been to these shows say, you're standing in the back and half the people aren't paying attention and yeah. you don't have that connection to the comedian. You're, you know you might as well be watching it on tv it's not it's not like a club or even a small theater where like you really f- feel and hear them and it's like a you know you're in the room
0: yeah i it I, it never made total sense to me to do stand up to fifteen thousand people like like I'm sure that it's i don't have my my ego's not connected to that yeah like my ego's connected to different shit like I just want to be asked to be on the tour. That's it. Right. They're doing the 15,000 people. Fuck that. I just want to be asked and then I want to be able to go backstage. That's it. Yeah. That's all I give a fuck about. If they if you if they said you're going on first, there's only going to be about 1,000 people in the room when you go up. I'd be like, "Perfect." Yeah. That is right in my swing zone. Yeah. 15,000, I don't know. What do you do you, like, drop your mic so they know when to laugh? Like,
3: Yeah, and I love being first because then on a lineup like that, you can kick back and enjoy the show. Hell, Pressure's off. Yes. I love being the leadoff guy. I had no ego problems with that. Put me up first. Yeah. I'd fucking love that.
0: Yep. But, uh, yeah, I don't even know how they were going to do the show. To be honest, I mean, they're, they're still doing them. Are they they're, doing some? They're doing some. They're doing uh, Texas. Um, I got an offer to do you more. just leaned forward to burp. That's my body.
3: What the fuck is, how, f- <laughs> what are you like, you're compacting your stomach yeah, like, like an right accordion? Now, my, yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. You know it's so funny, I, n- I never noticed the little eccentricities about my body, like, but like, people will be like, you burp a lot, and I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, you're burping like fucking
3: ten times an hour. Oh yeah, people call you Burp Chrysler.
0: Yeah, Burp Kreisler, Burnt Chrysler. they right. call me everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all over the map.
3: Jeez, um, I smell it now. Did you have meat for breakfast?
0: I had a breakfast burrito.
3: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I hadn't, and I'm sitting ten feet from you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, I've lost a bunch of weight, but not. Uh, I,
3: I, I did a uh, periscope the other day, which I rarely do, but I was getting a colonoscopy, so I wanted to like go through the whole colonoscopy. Oh, shit! And uh, as soon as it popped up, I swear to God, in five minutes, three people wrote "bird is fat."
0: I know. I wish that thing. That thing has got. I now I'm doing this Speedo campaign that I'm hoping will parallel. Yeah. But uh yeah, that thing still's got steam. It's What's the gr-
3: Speedo campaign? They're paying you? Speedo?
0: No, no, no. I've been sh- oh. Um so they I I'm obsessed with Speedos. I've been wearing Speedos. Like I love Speedos. Like yeah. whenever we did Trip Flip on Travel Channel, if I had a chance to go swimming I'd always wear a Speedo. Yeah. Cuz um, you're a bear. Yeah, and that and – I'm being dead serious. Have you ever swam in a Speedo? Fuck yeah. You're like a fucking dolphin. Unbelievable. Like you fly through – you're amazed at how much drag you have on every day. When you put on a Speedo, you fly through the water. And it's re- – I think they're really comfortable. And so – You feel
3: uh, kind of sexy too, no matter how bad your body is. Dude, I'm being – You feel like I'm you're wearing even, women's underwear.
0: If you tell me – if you – like I've had days where the girls were out camping and it's me. I'll throw on a Speedo, sit in the backyard, get some sun – And I feel so sexy, I'm definitely jacking off that day. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely turning myself on. And so I did this thing. So the Ryan Lochte thing happened, and I happened to have buddy Josh Temple, who does uh, yard crashers or house crashers, texted me and said, hey, Bert, I don't know if you know, but there's an opening at Speedo for uh, an athlete. And so I happened to have, like, three of the funniest drone shots of me and a Speedo that we just shot fucking around on trip flip. So I posted one, and it got like 170 thousand views. And so I was like, <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, okay. So I know I have two more, and then I also have a million pictures of me in speedos. So I start saying, "Hey, Speedo, I know there's a hole in your roster. Let me fill that hole." Hashtag fill that hole. Um, and then I start sending pictures. And it's getting, like, good. It's getting good. And then I was like, fucking, I'm going to make, like, a proposal. So I shot a proposal video yesterday, like, an official offer of, like, Speedo, give me two million, whatever you're playing, Ryan Lochte, and I will wear Speedos only. That is all I'll wear 24-7 a day as long as I'm in contract. (laughs) I'll fly in planes and Speedos. I'll perform in Speedos. That's
3: great. My whole fucking thing. And And let it be for the common man. Yeah. And th-
0: th- that's the point is, like, they've made Speedos this, like, elitism, like, almost like the Porsche.
3: Like, the w- top one percenters can wear them. Yeah, I go bring them back to where they were when I was a kid. We're all wearing them. I, w- I was on swim teams as a kid, and I wore them. I was so – here's how skinny I was, Bert. Oh, I would put my Speedos on, and they were baggy. I was like an Ethiopian. I had these little twig legs and knobby knees, and I was so fucking embarrassed. I hated it. Dude. And I would just, I'd put it, I'd come out to the pool, I'd take my t-shirt off, I'd dive right in the water, I'd get out, I'd throw a towel around my waist and a t-shirt back on again. It was horrible.
0: Ninth grade, I was on the swim team. Ninth and tenth grade. And I was in maybe the best shape I've ever been in my young adult life. Mm. I'm f- I'm hit like I'm I'm full in puberty, my muscles are kicking. You're like a buck twenty five. And, and I'm tan as fuck. Yeah. And we go to a lake party and I go, Fuck it, I'm wearing my speedo. I'm in like ninth grade, tenth grade. Mm. And I throw on my speedo and I remember a couple girls being like, Holy shit. Like your legs are beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah. And I remember me and Alan Rieger were wearing speedos and everyone was laughing at us and there were and I was like I was like, oh shit, this is real. And I wore Speedos in college. I wore I wear them all the time. Yeah. I still I have more Speedos. I have probably I probably have about fifteen different speedos. Yeah. And so um so I shot this video yesterday and then this video right now has four hundred and eighteen thousand views.
3: you get small tits yeah it's not bad right i'd fill you up (laughs) little pouch not bad not bad right no and you still have good legs a
0: little bit of drag on my chest but they call that a bear
3: you are a i mean if i'm a gay guy into bears you are you are mr january you're the first guy of the year. I got pitched to a
0: bear. A bear magazine called me up. One really? Time. Yeah. They were like, hey, we're big fans. Hit me up on Facebook. They're like, we're big fans of your show. Yeah. Um. Me and my partner run a small publication out of San Francisco. It's for the bear community. And we'd love to do like a, a spread on you if you're interested. And I was like, yes, definitely. In my head. <laughs> It's like you know when like Ryan Reynolds does Out Magazine, yeah. and he gets this big crossover fan base. Like mm-hmm. we already had a crush on him, we didn't know he was so fucking welcoming. Those are tickets sold, dude. Yes, and so that's what I'm thinking. What I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll do the thing. It'll come out. Travel Channel will be like, what? But no one can say anything because it's a gay magazine. Yeah, and uh, and then and then it kind of fizzled out because uh, they didn't have any money. So they're like, can you fly yourself up and put yourself up? Yeah. Like, uh guys maybe if maybe if it works out so then one night i'm talking to travel channel and i'm like uh we're having drinks me and a couple people at the network and i said yeah i was supposed to do this bear magazine i was gonna do it and then release it and see like so that you guys like it'd be fun you guys would like what the fuck is this and then and they shut down they're like um you have a morality clause in your contract gay magazine is a morality uh gay pornography Like they were like, you're not allowed to do any pornography but you wouldn't be naked i don't i'm now that i'm in retrospect i'm like we'd definitely be doing a photo shoot like what would it be i'm sure i wouldn't you hadn't have, thought you know, about that i hadn't thought any, any of it through <laughs> <laughs> and They're like you're not allowed to do any pornography <laughs> let alone gay pornography but like,
3: you would
1: have a hundred
3: percent you would have pulled out your cock. Oh, how's your cock let's talk about
0: good, it not good really really bad no like uh bill burr saw it the other night and was like he was like, "I wouldn't do that if I were you."
3: Can we back up for a second? Why is Bill Burr looking at your cock?
0: We did the goddamn comedy jam. What's that? You know, oh, that
3: music thing? Yeah. yeah.
0: Goddamn comedy jam! You stand up for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and you sing a song with the yeah. band. And I did Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I did the sock cock. Oh, you did. So I made the whole band put on sock cocks. I and put they on the did sock it, cock, but it was I was nervous. And it was so cold, and I'm not well endowed that my nuts were going into my body. And it was just my dick, like the smallest it's ever been. So I had to fucking problem solve. I got like, I got like two ta- pay tape and tried to connect it to that. wouldn't yeah. Work. Yeah. So I ended up having to take a rubber band and do like a cock ring around my dick and balls with a rubber band to keep the sock in place. And even still, it looked tiny.
3: That is so humiliating. And
0: Bill was just looking at me like, like he just kept, he kept taking pictures, going. I'm sending. I'm only taking them to send to you, and then I'm deleting them off my phone. And it was like it was, but it looked fine. You couldn't really tell because yeah. everyone looks small in those. Even like when you look at the red hot chili peppers, yeah, they're like small, right? But uh, they, but it, it was whatever. Fucking.
3: What song did you sing?
0: Um, uh, uh what I got you gotta get it, put it in you. Yeah, yeah that song. I lose my voice after the first two lines. Yeah,
3: No, that was that. my saving grace is we would skinny dip sometimes at night. Yeah. And we'd break into the town pool and we'd skinny dip. And I had no qualms about that. I have a big dick. Really? And, and especially being a skinny, small guy, oh, it's you. especially impressive. As a matter of fact, I slept with a few female comics on the way up. And yeah. uh, they started talking in the comedy community. And so I was on, uh, I was on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. And uh, they started talking. I mean, I'm in the green room with the other comics, and Colin's like, "What's all this I hear about your cock? Really, hey, you got a pretty big cock, Fitzsimmons. Let's see it." So I just unzip my fly, I pop it out, Shut and they were up. all like, "Whoa!" So then Colin goes on Stern and talks about it, and now and it, the the message was out. And I so I'm springing it up because I want to keep I want to keep keep the rumor keep alive. the rumor alive. Oh, I
0: have a small dick. Yeah, Ari's got a nice dick. Uh, Ari does? Yeah, Jim Norton's got a big dick.
3: No shit.
0: Jim Norton's got a double take dick. Like we were p- peeing next to each other at uh some theater. We're at uh we were doing Last Comic Standing 2. Yeah. And we were going into the bathroom talking, and he pulls up and he as we're talking, he's still like talking to me, but he's kind of opened up, you know, like, yeah. uh, like he's trying to hit like he's trying to pull the ball. Like right. he's opened up and uh and I just kind of looked at his dick and I went and I, it's so big that all I said was, holy shit, you have a big dick. And he was like, yeah, 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 I got a mule <laughs> or whatever. He said, And I was like <laughs> caught off guard. I was like,
3: oh. Yeah.
0: But yeah, Norton's got a big dick. Who else?
3: Well, Bobby Lee's is very small, right? Because doesn't only... he pull his cock out at shows sometimes? I think he does. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've only I mean, seen it in to, women's panties. Not to perpetuate the stereotype about Asian guys' dicks, oh. but you know what? Why is it that we can't say that? I can say, categorically, black people have extremely curly hair. I can say... (laughs) Yes, you can. You can say that, right? Yeah. You can say that a lot of Italian men have big noses.
0: Yeah, you can say that.
3: Why can't we say Asian guys have small dicks? I've seen porn. I'll
0: take it one further. I tried to describe... What Jay Z looked like on Cowhead Show on yeah. Mike Cowhead Show, and he stopped and he dumped out of it. He's like, you can't describe his face on radio. What? That is that is a hate crime. If what? you describe Jay Z's face, isn't that crazy?
3: I don't understand that.
0: Jay Z has very stereotypical African African American, flat nose, big
3: lips. This is already this is hate speech. Drop it out. Like yeah, like he, like that. He, I was. Dis- but he's actually kind of a light-skinned African American. But but his
0: face is I th- from what I understand from the conversation we had. His face is so stereotypically African American that when Isn't you describe it, you sound like you're being racist.
3: Isn't that amazing?
0: Fucking mind blowing. Right. And and my my daughters probably don't have a racist bone in their body, and they will just say things they see. Yeah, and be like yeah like yeah playing softball against Mexicans makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're like why and they're like they're just very aggressive. Right. The parents want them to win. It's not the little girls it's the parents. The yeah. parents are really daddy. They're like the parents scare me. Yeah. And cuz there are like I mean these dads are like fucking steal home. Yeah. And and kids are stealing home in girls softball. Yeah. Stealing home. The, the pitch and the kid
3: steals fucking home. My kid my daughter was playing soccer and her team was playing we were playing a team from Englewood and it was all black girls. And her team was like mostly white, you know, some Latinos, a couple black girls, but mostly white girls. Yeah. And these girls come in and they play fucking hard. Yeah. Not dirty, hard. Yeah. And the other team, our team. The parents started screaming at the ref that he wasn't calling fouls, and the girls were crying when they got pushed a little bit. If those girls had been white and played hard, nothing would have been said.
0: That be- is exactly what happened with the Mexican team we played. Right. The parents were up in fucking arms. Yeah. And then they got, and then the parents got competitive. They've never been competitive in their entire life. The parents got competitive, and I removed myself from the situation. Yeah. I went out to right field, and I sat out there, and I went. Because I, I get competitive. Yeah. And I was like, and, it's, and, it, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, it is the fucking game. You can steal home. Right. That is the game. Yeah. You got it. You can steal every base. They, what would happen is they get to first base, they score single, and when they'd go to steal, they'd just steal second and third. Yeah. Like, s- steal two bases at a
3: time. And I'm not a sociologist. I can't sit here and tell you why black people... I mean, if you want to look at teams, there is a higher percentage of African-Americans playing, especially in certain sports. And uh, I'm not a sociologist. I don't know what that is. But I can tell you point blank, these girls were playing harder. Yeah. And from what I've seen, I've seen a lot of African-Americans play very hard. Is it because they grew up in a tougher environment where you had to be more competitive? I don't fucking know. I don't care. I don't have to explain myself. I'm allowed as a comedian to observe a pattern and yeah. say it. I yeah. don't have to solve it. I don't have to make accommodations for it. I can just say black people have curly hair and they play sports really hard. Yeah. Sue me. Why why what,
0: what what has gotten to the place where people where it's almost that Like do you remember the curve? Do you remember when do you remember when people said faggot on stage in New York? Of course, and then I
3: still do. I have a joke where I say faggot. Uh, really? Yeah, so I say I was talking about how I had erectile dysfunction one time, <laughs> and my wife was like, uh, you know, upset. And I looked at her and I go, I go, I go, it's not your fault. And she goes, Who said it was faggot? You got the limp <laughs> dick. That pussy's tight. It's two C sections. What? Uh,
0: <laughs> what did you think about the Kurt and Amy thing?
3: What was the Kurt and Amy thing?
0: Are you serious? Oh, you missed a Kurt great who? day. Kurt Metzger. What happened? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'll do no justice. Didn't he write this. on her show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four years. Okay. Um, he's written on every season. I'd I'd argue that he's probably the sh- reason the show's so good. Wow. Because he's funny as shit. Mm. But he's also fucking twisted. Oh, he goes in the paint. Yeah. Hard with yeah. feminists like. Him and Sam Morrell did this thing where this feminist, I guess, didn't like one of Sam Morrell's jokes. So, um, by the way, I'm paraphrasing. I'm probably 100% wrong. These are just what I hear or what I think or what I've kind of read online. Right. Him and, him and Sam Morrell um, decided to pretend they made her up. So they almost vaporized her in this essence. Made who up? The feminist. They were like, hey, guys, it's us. We're trolling you. This isn't a real person.
3: After the feminist was saying
0: something. And the feminist is like, I'm a real person. Oh. And then they'd be like, ha ha, got you again. We wrote, I'm a real person. That's good. And apparently, I think she tried to commit suicide or like, that that's probably an overstretch. No. But she came unraveled. Really? I guess. I'm not certain on what happened, but it was like, it was to the point where Kurt won't talk about it. Like, he was like, yeah, I think we went too far. Or either that or he's like, I don't want to talk about it because it'll get this girl right up. Right, right. So but, how did yeah. Amy get involved? So then- so that's the first time that happened, and everyone's like, "Amy, you need to fire him from his sh- her show." And she's like, "I'm not going to fire Kurt Metzger from my show. He's a great writer, and he's my yeah. friend." And then Kurt gets into it. Another person, this Lindsay Lindy, Lindy West, about fat shaming, I think. And you know, Kurt just fucking goes to the mat. You can't you can't scare a suicide bomber. He's just fucking, he's got the pin in his jacket just yeah. waiting. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Lindy West goes after him, and Kurt, and then they go after Amy. You got to fire Kurt Metzger. He's like, I'm not firing Kurt Metzger. So then there's an article that comes out. A, co- a comic apparently sexually assaulted two girls at UCB.
3: In New York or LA? In L- New York, I- in New York. Yeah, I think I heard about that. The girls... Well, I know that UCB, there were women that had claimed over the years... Oh, no, I'm thinking of Second City. That Second City had a lot of sexual harassment that went on.
0: There's sexual harassment is, is in every comedy club ever.
3: What's happened during this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a big dick. It's, I told, And I told you you had nice tits. I mean, yeah. it's crazy.
0: But so these two, two women claim... I, I can only say claim because I think that's all that ever came of this. Yeah. Claim that a man sexually assaulted them. UCB does an internal investigation, finds the guy guilty, and bans him from their club. Yeah. Then one of these two girls, either one of these two girls, or UCB, or a third party release UCB's findings online, and clubs start banning this guy. Yeah. Kurt Metzger comes out and says, you can't do that. That's called a witch hunt. No one... I'm paraphrasing, because Kurt went pretty fucking hard. Yeah. But was like, if... um. If this happened, ladies, you need to go to the police and you need to get this guy arrested. Exactly. Yeah, I'm and, with I'm with him on that. And that is called rape shaming survivors. Were
3: shaming. they raped or were they harassed? I've,
0: apparently, he from what they from what I've heard, he drugged them and fucked them. Like then, he, why wouldn't they go to the police? Because the, because the, there's a ton of this is where the, this is where it gets shady because there's a ton of. I've never been raped. I'm sure I probably wouldn't go to the police if I got raped. But uh, but apparently there's a lot of they said the, that New York City isn't really kind to rape victims, and it's and it's not the cops aren't, and that it they don't want to be labeled. There's a lot of reasons you wouldn't go to the police if you got raped, and so what they're doing is they're dealing with it their own way. And that so the
3: UCB it- court has decided something. Yes. And that's supposed to be a mandate for all other clubs,
0: and, and all the other clubs. A lot of other clubs started banning this guy. And Kurt came defensive of this guy. He goes, "I don't know this guy." Yeah. He goes, "All I know is that, that I could be next." Right. And if if a woman says I rape her, goes to the club, the club is run by a woman or, or a sensitive man, <laughs> who's who's who says
3: a sensitive man. <laughs> there is an innuendo.
0: <laughs> who says I'd rather I'd rather be. Safe and sorry, so let's ban yeah. Kurt Metzger, and and let's just take your word for it, because that's what Kurt's up saying. Kurt wanted Kurt. I mean, you gotta read Kurt's fucking thing, because it's... Like, as you read it, you can hear Kurt pacing in his apartment. Yeah. Like, oh, because a woman said it, it's fucking fact. Just like the good Bible, that's fact. Yeah. And then, a.k.a. something, rape her in her good hole. I don't know what... No. Kurt went fucking... Full suicide bomber. Draper
3: in her good. Hole? I know whatever
0: he. I'm paraphrasing oh. once again, but he took it to the mat. Yeah, and so, which he apologizes for a tad bit. He goes, "I let my ego get in front of it, and I wanted to be more than right. I wanted to hurt them. Yeah, because he's like, you can't do, you can't just hold a court online. Yeah, and and go and and." Hold this guy guilty, and yeah. so uh, so then feminists start tweeting Amy, and Amy, I'm I'm defending Amy a tad bit, but like, I I'm sh- I don't I don't can't imagine she really runs her Twitter. I don't think she really blocks people. I mean, yeah. I'm sure she can, has access to it. But I'm certain there's also someone in her court that's like, hey, if I deal with this, I just block them or fucking yeah, reply yeah yeah yeah, check me on tour. Like, I don't think Amy's like, yeah, check me on tour. Here's a link. I don't think she's doing that. Right. So Amy starts blocking people that are asking about Kurt. Feminists are like, hey, you need to fire Kurt. Amy's like, blocked. Yeah. Hey, what about Kurt Metzger? How can you support this? Blocked. Blocks like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ballpark it at about 100 people uh-huh. before someone realizes, oh, fuck, she's blocking a lot of fans. A lot of people that are gonna about to buy this book, girl with the lower back tattoo, are now all blocked, and they're going to start a campaign against Amy. Yeah. And they start a campaign against Amy. And they they, like, force her hand, like, you need to denounce Kurt. And so Amy comes out with this statement. Um, I know Kurt Metzger. I find him. I'm I'm heart I'm saddened and shocked by his language he's used or whatever. She goes on Charlie Rose to talk about Kurt.
3: Oh, I watched her on Charlie Rose. I couldn't watch it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like. I think Amy's show is brilliant, and I like her stand up. But she was so sanctimonious on Charlie. She, she said. He's was like, how do you write new material? She's like, well, you know, I'll do a whole weekend of shows and then hopefully I get like 10 seconds out of it. What? And she's like, and if, if a crowd, if I go to do a show, I'll, I'll do some old stuff, but usually only like a minute or two of old stuff. And otherwise, I want Jerry Seinfeld told me, give him the best show you can. And it was just like – it was just very like – they started asking her about what she thought about uh, – you know, she's a big Hillary Clinton supporter. Really? And then he said, well, who who did you support between Hillary and Barack Obama? Because she was saying how much she loves Obama. Mm-hmm. And then you could see her just like the wheels spinning. Everything was about how she was presenting herself as opposed yeah. to what she really thought. I don't know. The Charlie Rose thing bummed me out.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, know. I don't know. So what did she say on Charlie Rose? Uh, basically, I love Kurt like a brother, I think. She was like, I love him like a brother the reason i have them in the writers room is to to have that other side of the fence represented which is not i mean very accurate you don't want a bunch of fucking liberal ladies in a room right. making eating having tea cakes and writing a comedy show cuz yeah. it's going to be like you know but i think ultimately that's what all the liberal ladies have loved about Amy is that they assume it's Amy, Jesse Klein, Morgan Murphy, that it's all the women of comedy making this show for them. What yeah. they don't realize is that Kurt's probably submitting a bunch of sketches that are greenlit and hilarious. Yeah. And they don't and they're like, How can this man who represents so much hate be funny to us? They yeah. don't get it. It's yeah. it's against everything. It's like going to a fucking dinner, having a dinner and being like this was amazing. Oh, yeah, there's bacon bits in it.
1: I'm a fucking vegetarian. Yeah. You're yeah. like, "Oh,
0: well, that's why you liked it yeah. cuz there's bacon in it." <laughs> <laughs> the reason the thing you like so much about those Brussels sprouts yeah. is the bacon.
3: Right. And right. so I think that's why Or what... like I've been to Orgies and had a great time and I walk out and I was like, "Man, I have just secreted every I've <laughs> eaten and and then I realized like it was the dicks. Yeah. It was all the dicks. It was all the dicks. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> And, like, I remember I was like, "God damn!" it, I thought there was something in my hand. I thought it was just, like, a leg or an ankle or a wrist. But holy shit, that thing spewed all over me. What do you think is going on with Amy, then? Is it, is it... So, wait, what did she ultimately do? Nothing.
0: She's like, well... She's standing by Kurt. No, no. I mean, yes and no. And I don't want to throw her under the bus, and I definitely don't want to throw Kurt under the bus. But Kurt basically came out and said, Amy... Do whatever you got to do to protect yourself. If you need to throw me under the bus, I don't right. give a fuck. I'm already under the bus. Right. I don't give a fuck. And so he, like, kind of greenlit her to, to say whatever she wanted. So then she threw him under the bus a tad bit. But then she and – the, and she goes – like, she sent out a tweet. This is where it gets – this is where I'm certain she's trying to get in front of It's like – she said, Kurt doesn't write for my show. Uh, I hid there his words, not mine. And then everyone's like, thank you. You fired him? She's like, No. No one's writing on my show. My show's not going on anymore. And then Comedy Central's like, wow. hold on, have you just canceled your show? Wow. And then she's like, no. And like, she's like, and these are all tweets. And she's like, no one, we, I have, I'm on tour. I'm doing a book tour. Like, I'm fucking, come on, guys. Like, give me, cut me a fucking break. Everyone, whatever she said was, Cut in a million different pieces. She's like, I love Comedy Central. I love my show. My show will be back right now. We have no staff. We're off for one year.
3: Kurt is not on the staff because no one's on the staff. In other words, am I going to fire somebody during a hiatus? Yeah,
0: and and I and and I mean, I'm certain she can't have him back on the staff when, if and when they come back. But uh, but yeah, it's it, have have you ever seen what's happened to her? Does that ever happen to other comics where they almost? It's like they. They go on Charlie Rose and they have to, they can't say what they think anymore. They just have to say what will help sell the brand.
3: I'm trying to think. I mean, there was the thing with uh, Sarah Silverman when she said the thing about Asians on Conan O'Brien. And I know she had to kind of come out and make the peace because the Chinese group that came out against her. There's an Asian group that's really fucking vocal and powerful. I saw, I saw
0: that. I saw that on politically incorrect. Yeah. They had that guy on and I think Bill Maher was railing him. Yeah. Or someone was like, Like, you don't give a fuck about the joke you don't realize there is a joke involved. Yeah. You just hear your thing and you fucking need to make money and that's how you make money. Right,
3: right. Was now, it really bad though? It was really bad. Yeah. It was tough. And she was at she was at a really high point in her career where she was, you know in movies and she was doing stuff that would have been affected by this. And she had to make the peace with it. And I think she did eloquently, but, um, no, it's tough because then all of a sudden you're a comedian and you're being serious. Like you can't make any comedy out of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're trying to sell your book and it's not, I don't know. Maybe it helps the book sales. It could easily help the book sales. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't know about, you know, I didn't know, in, I didn't know she had a book I didn't
0: know she had a book until
3: I only knew because of Charlie Rose, and then she went on Stern the other day. Really? Yeah.
0: I bet that's a good interview. I wonder
3: if he brought it up.
0: Oh, he had to. Yeah. He had to.
3: have to go back and listen she to She
0: went on uh Jimmy and Matt Sarah have a podcast. No no no. It's a MMA podcast. Yeah. But she went on that and uh and I, I don't know, I I started listening and then I kind of I fell off. Yeah. Yeah. Um
3: Now what about the other controversy which is Leslie Jones? Ooh. And uh she's a dear friend of mine as I'm sure she is with viewers because I, she's... I a- sent a
0: I sent a tweet out saying like I can, I'm shocked I'm just shocked like who has an axe to grind with Leslie Jones?
3: Racists. Racist um um you know misogynistic racists. because. But here's the thing about this. Okay. And this is what's horrible about social media. Wait, and,
0: explain what happened to Leslie Jones.
3: Well, basically, somebody hacked into her website and they put a picture of a gorilla in, in place of her and they released some They'd hacked into her uh, cloud, I guess, and they got some nude photos. Which, first of all, will everybody please take your nude photos out of your fucking cloud? I, I can't get them out. I don't know how
0: to get them out, and I definitely have nude photos of just me. Well, you don't give a shit. I but... don't care. Put, put my dick online.
3: So they did all the... So they put the nude photos up, and I forget what else. And uh, and it was uh, obviously pretty devastating, but what she... Uh, and I, I sent her an email about this. I said, what you have to remember is... This was one fucking guy. He does not represent any kind of a groundswell of opinion. He doesn't represent anything more than 0.001% of racist people that are just looking to spew hate. And don't internalize this. Don't walk out into public thinking that there's people looking at you in this way. Yeah. This is just, this is the danger of hackers.
0: No, wait. Hold on. Two things what like is there a what like why her like what what did she do like is like meaning so um like in her like um, three weeks from now three months from now will she sit at her table having coffee going maybe i shouldn't have done something to provoke this person or is this guy really just going like i'm looking for any black star and i'm fucking them over
3: I think it's irrelevant what it was that set this guy off. No, but I'm saying, like, what, like, how, how hard, like, I
0: only know of Leslie Jones, like, globally because of Ghostbusters. As soon as she got in Ghostbusters, that's when everyone knew of Leslie Jones. Right. Was well, it because she, popped,
3: she was in? She popped on SNL last year. Yeah, she year. popped she on was, she with was the Peter big. Dinklage.
0: Right. And, but, but, it, but I'm saying, like, is it because she was in ghostbusters that this guy was like Fuck probably her?
3: more threatened because she was successful on such a huge level maybe so you think it's her success that
0: got this guy pissed off and he was like I'm fucking taking her down
3: i mean i don't know i don't i, I to me it doesn't register to me what what matters is that he's a guy who it, it's obvious that what set him off had to do with race and gender because that's what he attacked You know, by putting naked pictures of her, he's attacking her sexuality. And by putting up a gorilla, he's obviously attacking her racially. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it mattered what set him off. It was just what she represents.
0: I'm just saying from my perspective, if someone broke into my cloud and changed my website, I would be like, what was the fucking thing I said?
3: That's the danger, though. That's That's why I sent that email to say, you didn't do anything. Yeah. And this is not this is not a reflection of any public reaction to anything you've done.
0: Because immediately I would go, "What have I done?" Right, and I, and the the thing that the thing I'll tell you from my perspective that is affecting Leslie Jones personally right now is the idea that two months ago, three months ago, just before Ghostbusters came out, when she was on SNL, she's murdering it. Bef- I'm saying before this. But with the Rio Olympics, all this right. good stuff, Leslie was aware that people were talking positively behind her back. Yeah. That the conversations were, we got to get Leslie Jones to do this, Leslie Jones killing it, Leslie Jones this. She's aware of that conversation happening, and it makes you feel good. It makes you feel your ego a- connected to me in that like when i when i was doing trip flip at its height and i was traveling around the world people would say i'd, I'd know people would be like he has the most amazing life and i, yeah. I love that and then immediately when the fucking fat shaming happened the exact same amount of people were talking about me but they were saying like they didn't know it was a joke between me and tom and they're like fuck bird has gotten fat as shit and everyone that's all anyone says about it yeah and now leslie's sitting with this fuck the, those same people still want to talk about me, but now this is the conversation right, they're having, right, right. and that's what fucks your head up. Yes, and 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 you're what you're you're right. Is she didn't do anything? Yeah, she, she
3: doesn't. Well, that's why I don't want to feed it, you know. And even talking about it, I have mixed feelings about us even talking about it, except that it does bring an issue up, which is you know the, this guy was banned from Twitter. Was it, was it this guy that was banned from
0: Twitter? Milo Yananopoulos. Nice. Is the guy who was banned from Twitter.
3: Right. And that who was, was baiting her. Yes. And that's like extremely rare with Twitter, but hopefully it's going to be less rare. Hopefully this is something oh. that Twitter will take control of saying that we need to create a safe space for people. I hate to use the word safe space, but Twitter really should be a place where hate mongering is not allowed.
0: It's so hard to tell what what's hate-mongering and what's, what some people think is a joke these right, days. Right. So many people write things. I blocked a dude the other day, and I was like, because I'll take any fat comment I get. Yeah. You give me anything, as long as you follow me, I fucking brush it off, and I laugh. Yeah. I go, okay, that one was misdirected, but I get what he's trying to do. And then I got this really hateful one, and I went, and the guy doesn't follow me. I was like, oh, you're blocked forever. Yeah. Fuck you. I don't ever want you in my universe. Right. Then I almost started blocking... I, like, today I was like, I might just start blocking people. I don't like their opinions. Like,
3: to, like- I do. I, I just feel like if somebody misses the mark on a joke really bad, yeah. done. I just don't. <laughs> it bothers me. It really can fuck with my mood a little bit. It does. And and so I just say, well, why would I want, you know, I, I, I mean, I've got 80,000 people on Twitter, which isn't a ton, but it's enough that I feel like I can lose, you know, 10 people a year. Yeah. Or I mean, that's about all I block. Maybe... Twenty people a year, and I feel like okay, if that's going to make my my morning not suck because somebody says something that's just What's, what I hate is when someone says something accurate, right? When they when they've kind of dialed into
0: something, yeah, and you're like, ooh, maybe I should fucking like what would ones. that be for you? Uh, one guy in Minnesota said one time, uh, I'm a real comedy fan, but you're just an alcoholic on stage. Who tells the same goddamn stories every fucking time? And I was like, "Hmm." I was like, "That sounds pretty accurate." I'm blocked.
3: You should have either blocked him or hired him as a life coach. I like I
0: was like, I was like, "Fuck, man!" And I was like, and then I, I, like I think I wrote back like, "What show did you go to?" <laughs>
3: Early show, or late show. Early show or late show? Had to be a late show. Had to be a
0: late show. But in my head, I wanted, I wanted to be like, I wanted to write it and be like, I know you're talking about the machine story. I know you're talking about fighting the bear. Like fuck. Like it's just two stories that you've already fucking yeah, heard, right?
3: But no, like- that that comment hurts me more than anything else. Oh. I remember reading once. Uh, on like a u c this is why I stopped doing the u c b is I would do stand up shows there and then they had a very active chat site about who was on the show on their like monday night showcase show yeah and uh, somebody said you know he needs to refill the the material well, which for me is like you know, because I write a lot, and I realize I go through periods where I don't write a lot. Yeah, and and when I and I, you must have caught me in a year where I really was recycling shit a lot. Yeah, and it fucking hurt. Oh, it, that that is the number one thing I think because for us, it's like there there's a there's an illusion when we go on stage and talk to a crowd of people that it is coming off the top of our heads and that we're having a conversation with you. And and, and when we're even when I do podcasts. You know, I don't like to repeat the same stories because I know people listen to a lot of the same podcasts, and I think it's really disorienting for them to hear you do like almost a bit on a podcast unless yeah. you say, like I did earlier, "This is a bit for my act." Yeah,
0: I did. I, I. What's amazing to me is, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, there's a. I won't say the guy's name only because I don't want to say the guy's name. Because I, fucking, whatever. There's a guy that was in Montreal like last year or two years ago. Mark Marin? No. And there was like and uh, and he was murdering. And I was so impressed. And I saw a British comic. Uh maybe I gotta say his name now. And he was like, I've seen it before. And I was like, What? He's like, I've seen these bits before, you gotta watch his last hour. And I was like, Oh fuck. I got I thought it was all coming off the top of his head too. Yeah. Like and I was like, Really? He was like, Yeah, I've seen them all before. Yeah. And I was like, and then part of me was like, okay, so what is the point? Because like I went to Montreal this year, and I was like, well, I don't want to do shit I did last year, yeah, because I don't want anyone having that conversation about me, right? And so I do all newer stuff, and it's all kind of. And then I and then I saw Tom Papa, and I had, whatever it was, I hadn't seen it before, but it was so fucking funny. And I pulled him aside, and I was like, dude, is that all new? And he was like, no, it's old. Yeah. And I went because it's fucking great. And he goes, oh, it's so funny. I was so self conscious about. The fact I was doing all this old shit. Right. I was like, it was so fucking... I'd never seen it.
3: So- well, I don't know. I mean, that is the, that's the conversation that Seinfeld had with Amy Schumer. And I've heard him have that conversation with a lot of people. Which is, people are paying a lot of money to see you. And they're excited to see you. And you should give them the best act you can give them. That yeah. doesn't mean all new shit. Because if it's a small percentage of the crowd that's seen that bit before... I don't know. I think that maybe they have to they grin and bear it because for most of those people, I know that I can do twenty five percent better if I'm doing shit I've done for a while. If you, so, if
0: you mean you mean like sprinkling it throughout? Right.
3: I'm talking about closing with a bit that I know fucking kills because I've been doing it for a year.
0: And if a new thing isn't working, go right to an old thing. Right. Get them back up. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. 100%. You got a lot of tools in your belt, and it's like you know you think that fucking. Uh, you know, Pearl Jam is going to do all new stuff or all old stuff. No, they mix it. Any good live band mixes it up. Yeah, and I don't think it should be that different for comedy, especially for somebody like you, where you're a performer. Yeah, you know, you're not like for some guys they're listing material and it kills. Like you know, you see a guy like uh, Dimitri Martin, who's a brilliant writer. Yeah, but I don't want to see Dimitri do the same bits over and over again because no. there's no performance behind it. No. And I don't want to. And that's see. not to slander him. It's just that's not his focus.
0: And and at the same time, it's like I think Bill and Louis started this with like I lose the hour, I start brand yeah. new. And I was just like, and I Ari resent that Ari does that. And I was like, in my head, I said to Ari, I go, I don't know if that's the healthiest thing. Yeah, because because like, we did Calgary, and he did all new stuff, brand new. Yeah, and I was like, and I I think I said to him, I was like but you're not coming back to calgary again like you you only you just did your hour so you the time you go to calgary you just put on like a a 25% show yeah like, right in my head, I, I didn't make the math. Yeah, like you should try to make sure that all your shows across the board are at least eighty fives. Yeah, and, you, and the people that you you don't want to just give good shows to the people that are the people that right before you do your hour. Yeah, like right before you do your hour, those are the best You're shows. You're shit. Yeah. but Calgary gets yeah. like I'm working on stuff. Like, yeah, but then one of the guys we were with was like, "Well, no, that's the deal. He's made with his audience is that he'll they'll never see new, the same material twice."
3: yeah I can see that because I, I think um, you know his style lends itself to turning material over because it's so conversational, even yeah. though there's jokes it's conversational, and I think that you know Louis and Burr are their opinions they're they're yeah. ranting opinions at you, and so I think that for them it's not about they're not wordsmiths per se, as much as like they're they're getting out there and churning through new thoughts which require living life. And looking at life.
0: Okay, so so let's so then okay real quick, what do you think that what do you think the different styles of comedy are? Like you got like you just said because this this is where I think I'm stuck in the middle of these days. You've got Demetri Martin who's just set up punch, right? You've got Bill and Louis who are opinions, yeah, right, yeah. You've got Rogan. Would you say Rogan's opinions? Yeah, Rogan's opinions. Ari's conversationalist.
3: Well, I think Rogan and Duncan Trussell are. Um, they're um what do you call it uh psychedelic comedians, yeah they talk about existential things yeah, yeah rather yeah, than yeah. political I mean Rogan talks about social things, but the interesting stuff to me is when those guys go into some deep spacey existential shit
0: yeah, and then what do you think you do
3: um i don't. I don't do anything. Maybe that's my downfall. Is I tell stories. That's I do I one-liners. Like I'm I go. I don't, yeah, like a voice. I don't know what like I Sebastian
0: do. Sebastian is dialed in. Right. Like when you watch, like I saw, I saw his fucking. I Segura and I were talking about this. I saw like a thing he put on fucking Instagram, and it was so his voice. Yeah, and he didn't have to. It like no work, and it's got like sixteen thousand likes. and yeah. I'm just like fuck and then i was like i don't know where the fuck i am like i'm like i'm I'm stories i do stories definitely better than anything else yeah but then and then you then i'm just sitting there going well when something's gonna happen so i can write about it
1: yeah
3: well that's the good thing about you is you live life so you've always got a well to draw from of new experiences and that's why you're a storyteller but then you've got guys that sit in a room and write You know, like, uh, a tell is like that, you know, a tell is a joke guy. He sits in a room and he writes jokes and then he tries them out and he fine tunes them and he makes them stronger and then he flushes them and he moves on. But, um, I would say I have a voice. I definitely feel like I have a specific voice, but I don't know that my format is consistent, which I don't think is necessarily bad. I think that, you know, sometimes I'll have an opinion. Like, uh, I saw, you know, I just saw this ad for the craftmatic adjustable bed Thi- but it's always based in, you know, like to me, it's the signals the end of America. It's like here you are, you're in a bed with a remote control <laughs> to adjust what angle your your back. But it's not just you; the person on the other side, they split the bed in half. <laughs> He's got a remote control, yeah. and now and each one has its own thermostat, so you can adjust your temperature. Why not just get a divorce? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you're not working well together. So, like, and to me, it's like, all right, so I, I'm touching on why I'm – like, I do a lot of stuff about America and how fucking – how well we have it and don't realize it. And but
0: your – your my favorite stuff that you do, the, my favorite stuff across – like, last night, I had a parenting situation that I went – I can't wait to talk to Greg about.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah,
0: immediately because uh, yeah. I, I knew you were coming over today. But you, my favorite stuff about you when I was young – was anything parenting because you made me feel like parenting and having a family was cool. Yeah. And it was okay to be a dad and that being a dad was fun and loving your wife wasn't fucking gay. Yeah. And like all, and like you can, and that being, getting older didn't mean you were old. Right. That getting older was like, and that was all the shit that I loved about. Like when I first, mean, the first time I saw you with where you're at more today. Like I think you just had kids. Yeah. Um, but last night, the parent, I, this is the thing. What happened? <clears throat> I'm, this is going to turn into a bit, I'm sure, at some point. Okay. I can't, fi- I can't, I'm really close to it right now. Yeah. Because uh, I really fucked up. I did. We don't hit our kids. So the closest thing we can get is just to make them cry. Like to, like, <laughs> make.
3: <laughs> I won't hit my kid, but I'll make them cry.
0: But if you do, but there are things where, like, we, this is going to sound really, really bad. But, um,. Georgia, we can make cry very easily. How old? 12. And Isla is just really tough to make cry. Like, yeah. You got to turn the screws. The younger
3: one's always tougher.
0: Just like almost disconnected. Like, yeah. So, like, they're having their fighting because so we're all living in two rooms and they're just fucking bumping into each other and, and we can't get them. Like, Isla kicked Georgia in the vagina at a pool party and we had to leave. Like, what? it was fucking bad. Like, it was. It's funny You don't now. hit them, but you kicked them? No, no. Isla kicked Georgia in the vagina. Yeah. Oh. And so. And Georgia's, and, you know, they're descriptive. She's in the pool. She kicked me in the vagina. And Leanne's like, fucking, we're out of here. Right. And it's been horrible. Yeah. So last night, Leanne said, we need to separate you two. Yeah. And we can't do it in this house. Maybe I'll, like, she was just saying, like, maybe I'll just send one of you to camp for a week. And then I said, why don't we send you one of you to boarding school? And Whoa. I know my dad got fucking pissed at me.
3: Some Harry Potter shit.
0: So I and then Leanne goes, "It's not a bad idea. I bet you'd really appreciate yourselves as sisters." If one of you went to boarding school... Now, I was shut down. I was like, it's not going to be me. I'm fucking learning disabled. I'm not going to boarding school. It's going to be Georgia. Georgia realizes that. And is this for real? This you, is real. You're fucking with them. Um,
1: no, no. We're fucking with them. Oh, you
3: are.
0: But so I know there's an, I know there's a boarding school in Ojai. Yeah. So I go online. I Google it. <laughs> like, the, they're in the room. And Leanne's like... And I Google it. It's called Villanova. And I fucking go in. And I'm like... I'm like, you know what? We'll send both of you guys to boarding school. Let's let's send this. Will be a good because mom and, I, shit. mom and I aren't. We're not doing a good job as parents because you hate each other. So and that will teach you guys how to team up. Like and I'm not. I'm like I'm just spewing. Like I'm yeah. not Like I'm because I can, we can't get out of the cry yet. Yeah. So I'm like when you guys get on the bus to go out to boarding school, like I bet you guys will learn to love each other. Yeah. Because you won't know anybody. Right. And when you guys see each other in the hallway, I bet. You won't bump into each other. You'll hug each other. Yeah, and I bet that when that Georgia's fucking melting down, and then and the big problem is they share bunk beds. But Georgia's bunk bed, they both have bunk beds. Georgia's can't see the TV from where she is, so sometimes she wants to sit on Isla's, and Isla won't let her. It's a big fucking fight in our house. Yeah, and so I said, I bet when you see Georgia, you Isla walking through the halls, and you're in your dorm room with five other girls. I bet you'll say, "Hey, why don't you sit on my bed for a minute?" Yeah, and hang out. I want to hang out with my sister. And, you know, Isla starts welling up, and uh, and I go, and she goes, "I'd let her watch TV with me in my dorm." And Aww. I go, "No TVs, Isla. No TVs. No iPads. No nothing." And then, and then Isla turns. now I got. We got them both crying. <laughs> and <laughs> and holy <clears throat> shit, fucking so bad. And then and then it, and then I and then we can't get them to stop. And then it yeah. starts getting real to me. I'm like, I don't want to fucking leave. I don't, like, I start getting hurt. I'm like, I don't want them to leave. Yeah. And then now Leanne's in on it with me. She's like, when you guys come home for Christmas. And George is like, Christmas? Like, we're not
2: coming home until Christmas?
0: And, and then I even, Greg, it got bad because it got so bad. I started pitching the school that's fucking imaginary. I'm like, guys, don't worry. They have horses there. <laughs> and it's like, and they're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And so we're like, listen, we'll revisit this in a week. If you guys can start loving each other this week, at the end of the week we'll we'll make the decision. Man, they woke up this morning both sobbing crying still. They're like, "Don't, we'll be better kids. Don't send us to boarding school." And I was like, "I might have fucked up." I called my dad, and my dad was like, "Buddy, he's like, "That was a big fucking mistake." Huge mistake. He's like, "You do not, you're not supposed to lie to your children. By the way, I've been lying to them their whole fucking lives." Right. I've been like,
3: "Well, we because if you do it, you're creating a whole like set of dynamics that you're not now in control of like you don't know one of them may come to you next week and go like um i want to go, go to this school. boarding school and then you got to say <sighs> break my i was lying and yep. then they think what kind of fucked up animal are you that's you just wanted tough, to watch me cry i think you were out of control i think that's out of control parenting
0: both desperate I, both yeah because we were like at one point we're like leanne's like we need to hit one of them like we need to hit yeah, them. Yeah, a They're, warning shot. Like they need to, some. Like because <clears throat> there's no respect for the law. Yeah, there's no, like we make a rule and that rule is completely disregarded.
3: What are, can you take away? TV or take away you iPads? Take away shit, we're all in one room.
0: We're yeah. fucking. We're in two rooms right now. Yeah, and so you can't take away shit because. If they can't watch TV, we can't watch TV. Yeah. If you take away an iPad, then all of a sudden you got a kid staring at you. Yeah. And you can't, there's nowhere to play out front. We got this big problem with heroin addicts right now floating around our neighborhood. No. Real bad. Real bad. And we got a fucking porta potty in our front yard, so it's an invitation. That's not
3: the only place you can shit.
0: In this neighborhood, there's. A, I had a dream. No, I mean, for you guys. No, 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 no. That's not where we're shitting, but it will be where we're shitting in two weeks. I had a wow. dream. This is oh, how many... so
3: the homeless people are using your porta potty. I
0: had a dream last night, two nights ago, that I went to go check the porta potty because I put tape on it yeah. to find out if anyone's opened it in the middle of the night. I had a dream that I went to go check the porta potty, and a guy grabbed me and goes, "Hey man, there's a line." <laughs> <laughs> in the dream, and I, so it's like an invitation for homeless people to just take shits. And who doesn't want an undisturbed shit at three in the morning? Yeah, right. And so. We can't just let the girls run around the front yard. Yeah. Literally, I'm not even fucking around. There's a homeless guy asleep in our front yard the other day. Cause it looks like you saw our house, it looks like Armageddon. Yeah. So they think no one's they're in under construction. No I pulled
3: up and I didn't know you're in any construction. I was like, Wow, I thought Bert was on fire lately. I yeah. thought he was making money. <laughs> this looks like a it you know like a redneck farm. A hundred percent. So homeless people just pass out in our front yeah. yard. Yeah.
0: So um so yeah, so it's like there's no like how do you parent? How do you parent? Do you hit? No, never, never hit, did. never See, hit. Okay, so what's worse, lying all, to them or hitting them? First of all, my
3: son is now four inches taller than me, so even if I wanted to, like, that ship has sailed. Never spanked him? Never once. That's impressive. Because what if I hit him, and he hit me back, and then we fought, and he won? How Ooh. fucked up would that be? I'd have to move.
0: So then what's your, what's your, um... Wh- uh, what was the, the Stanford experiment? What's your Stanford experiment with your son? Like, What's how the you, Stanford
3: experiment? Stanford experiment
0: is when they made half the, the students criminals and half the students...
3: Oh, jail wardens. J-
0: jail wardens, but they didn't give them guns or anything. Right. And so in order to establish dominance, they just did psychological fucking warfare on them.
3: You know, I'm and, and, so fucking lucky, and I, I blame my wife mostly for this, is the kids are good kids they they, no, you, they have care. Problems. you know disappointments is your number one tool it's not shaming them oh, but fuck. when they feel like they've disappointed you that means more than anything else and so i don't use that card a lot but i think they know and i'll say to them i'm disappointed you know i thought you i thought you were better than this blah blah, blah. and it that's all we need to do
0: that works for georgia it does not work for isla yeah like isla's like yeah i guess so Right. well oh, you got to lower your expectations.
3: Yeah. Like Isla is. See, they're still in the parenting age because what you do now will affect their personalities and characters. My kids are thirteen and fifteen. I, now it's just, it's just the zone defense. Yeah. Just keeping them from getting fucked up. So,
0: <coughs> so when, so like, you have a boy and a girl, right? Yeah. So I guess there was no fighting because they wouldn't hit no each other. No fighting.
3: See, they ours are fought. fucking
0: hitting each other. Yeah,
3: no, that's a whole. I can't, I can't comment on that world. That's a hell I can't imagine.
0: It's just, it's like, and it's.
3: Have you spanked them?
0: Never. Le- Leanne spanked Isla one time. Yeah, and I and I got pissed. Yeah, because she did it in Georgia in front of her family, and I felt like she did really? it in front of her family. Yeah, wow. Like, Leanne would be fucking irate if she knew i was talking about this
3: and it's hard to have a fight about that while you're in somebody else's house
0: i was not there i was on the road and i came back and isla came up to me she's like hey giving you a heads up mom spanked me and i was like what so i said to Leanne, i was like what she goes it was it was about it it was interesting because it was about rules set up by her family that i was isla was breaking yeah and isla would not isla did not Did not give a fuck to fix that. Yeah. It was about wet clothes on the couch. And Isla just was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And just kept sitting on the couch. And and Leanne, like seven times. And Leanne's like, Isla, no. And Isla just, I think Isla just mad dogged her and sat on the couch. Yeah. And Leanne brought her into the room and spanked her and then took her out. And I was like, I was like, but we agreed never to hit our kids. Did you hit your kids so that your family would think you're a good parent? Yeah. And Leanne still to this day goes. The only time I've spanked her, trust me, you would have done the same thing. And I'm like, I wouldn't. I've never hit no, her. I've never hit my no. children. Yeah, because <clears> my I have dad. Made them cry.
3: Both my parents used to hit me a lot, and yeah. so to me it was like I knew the damage it did. The number one thing it does is it it sh- it shames you. <sighs> Shame. You know, especially in front of the family, it makes you feel like here's this person who. Loves me more than anyone else in the world, responsible for my life, literally my food, shelter, everything. And now they're actively trying to hurt me. It doesn't make sense. It's such a conflict.
0: So the first time I remember being spanked, I was spanked a bunch before this. But the first time I really, really, it stuck with me was my sister's fourth birthday party. Um, she went to go blow out the cake, and I like faced her. <laughs> <in the laughs> and that's I'm, fantastic! And it killed it, murdered. yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm, i my, I'm, the. Joke plus I she would, got
3: burned on her face on just, top of
0: it it killed i thought the joke i would make right now is i thought my dad was taking me out to the garage to high five me like i it killed that hard that i thought he was like i don't want to do this in front of your sister she's emotional but that was the funniest thing i've ever seen and he fucking made me pull my pants down and spanked me in the garage and then forced me to walk back into the party and that well he came a
3: thrones to you
0: do that to this day, I think of that moment walking. Like him going, come on, let's go back to the party. I was like, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Like, I want to go to my room. I want right. to just cry. Like, I f- And that disgustingness of shame. Shame was a very big component in my life. Like I remember my sister and my dad would go, oh, Bert's showing off. Whenever I was doing anything funny, they'd be like, hey. Stop showing off. Yeah. And I, and it would just shut me down. I was like, motherfucker, I'm in my zone. Right. Like, this is my personality. Yeah. Oh, he's showing off. He's showing, watch this. Bert, you know what? Stop showing off. And it would cut me, it would cut me in half. Yeah. In front of people. I was like, what the fuck? Do yeah. that
3: privately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can relate to that. know, yeah. was your wife hit? No. No, well, she was never hit. So I don't think it's even an impulse. It was an impulse for me when they were little. Really? I definitely wanted to. Yeah. I would have loved to beat the shit out of my son, but I didn't, you know? And uh, and I hope he respects that. My, You know, my, my dad hit me and it was like, you know, he really felt like he was doing me a favor. Yeah. He felt like it was a part. And he beat me and then he go, that's nothing. You should have seen what happened to me. And I was like, really? wow, that's fucking gothic. Holy shit. Yeah. What do you think happened to him? Well, he was molested. Seriously? Yeah, by his brother. And his parents used to kick the shit. I don't know if the father molested him too, but his brother did. Really? And both his parents died young, so his brother was kind of raising him for a little while. Holy so fuck, did so he have a he,
0: relationship with his brother after that?
3: His brother was a, he was a uh, Bowery bum. He literally lived in the Bowery in New York, and he was an alcoholic, lived in welfare motels, and my dad would kind of support him holy fuck yeah it was heavy
0: and your dad no therapy for that
3: no i think he went to a therapist a couple times with my mom but my mom said he was uh he was able to manipulate the therapist he was a very smart guy yeah and he would talk circles around the therapist and there was no heart it was all in his head uh, you that's know? my dad my yeah. dad
0: manipulated his therapist
3: yeah 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 so there was no progress and it was very sad he was an alcoholic and uh he just was a very pain guy. I look at my dad as a—he was a very sad man, and he was also the most, literally, the most charismatic guy I've ever met in my life. Really big, you know, the, the guy at the party that people were waiting in line to just hang out with him. He would shit on everybody, but in the most joyful way. He was like a great friend to people, but he, when he got home, he just pulled back and he would just go into his office and read. And chain smoke. He smoked three and a half packs a day. Holy shit. And he didn't interact. And it was like, you know. Can we-
0: you find video of your or uh, audio of your dad online? I have a bunch of tapes. Do you have it online?
3: No, I should put it up. Yeah,
0: you should put it up. Yeah. I'd love to listen to your dad yeah. online. Yeah. I, that's something I could fucking spiral into for an evening with a bar. Right, of right. That's fucking
3: crazy. Yeah, he used to interview Ed Koch like every day. He would call into the show, the mayor of New York. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would definitely put those online. I'd love to hear that. Yeah,
3: maybe like Father's Day one year, I'll like work on it and put together a nice uh, little website link. What about what about like uh,
0: like I'm obsessed right now with sound? uh, Is it Sound Exchange that we get money from?
3: I I used to get so much fucking money from them. It's way down.
0: Yeah, mine's down too. But I thought I thought I wonder if I could like I have the audio equipment. Why don't I do like a comedy CD? Yeah. Like just do like an old school Adam Sandler funny couple No audience. No audience, just do a comedy C D. Yeah. Just produce one, put it on Sound Exchange, put it on out on the line. Well you get, don't
3: put it Sound Exchange tracks yeah, yeah. serious XM.
0: No, you put it put it out on iTunes, I meant to say, put it out on right. iTunes, sell it for fucking a dollar.
3: Right. To, oh, and make the money with the residuals. Yeah, just make the money just so with the Just so people residuals. know the residuals are huge. You yeah. make big fat checks. Was it twice a year? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's fantastic. Yeah, and I was like, wait, why am I not doing that? Because there's a lot of like small amounts of money to be made across the board. That like premium
3: memberships. Yeah,
0: yeah, merch. I'm fucking fascinated by making money for the first time in my life. This 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 side of the business, like the other side, like making money on podcasting and stand up and merch and audio and all that shit. Yeah, and then like and like I'm, and part of me wants to start a weekly video podcast that I just put on YouTube. Yeah. And, like, I was like, yeah, why not? What am I... Right. What am I... I, And then just the idea that we can now can own everything. Yeah. I think that's fucking...
3: I know. Well, you know, the Periscope is the way to put the video stuff up. But then I look at, like, this morning, I I watch Joey Diaz's a lot in the morning. He's always
0: got, like, 5,000, 3,000 people.
3: Yeah. And it's like, uh, well, not even. That's the thing. is like, well, I don't know. Maybe over time it gets that much. This morning it had, like, 2,000, which is a lot. Yeah. But they s I've read this article about this thing and you should you should look this up. What's well, called one thousand true fans and it's the idea that if you can get a thousand people to become super fans, the kind of people that listen to all your podcasts, you put out a CD, they're gonna buy it, you come to their town, they're going to your show, and if you think about it, if you can get each of those people to spend a hundred bucks in a year, hundred bucks, that's a hundred thousand dollars. That's for a lot of people, a living. Now, obviously, that's not including all your major money, but yeah. that is, you know, that's a thousand and that can exponentially go up. But you got to connect to those. You got to give the kind of love that you naturally feel. I mean, you know how these people are that reach out to you. You see the regular names yeah. that are posting on Twitter and you feel like it becomes like a relationship. Yeah. And it's a matter of just keeping that connection and making sure you're putting out products you're proud of but putting out a lot of them so that people want to engage they want to buy your shit they want to support you but it's about getting that 1000 core and those people then become like emissaries for you they start telling their friends they proselytize about (sighs) you at parties and then people find out about it
0: it's great when you you see one of those people and they come up to you after a show, and, and then one of their friends goes, "He brought all eight of us,
1: yeah and right. you're like,
0: "Fucking love that guy." Right, right I was thinking about doing these um uh, cog I'm called the machine, Cog bottle openers, yeah, and then uh giving them each a number, like me handwriting, like uh c o m zero zero one. Yeah, See like whatever it is, you know, like uh, like give him a badge number. Yeah, and then doing a th- I, I, I was gonna say twenty five hundred. Yeah, I was like make twenty five hundred, and me literally draw in every number, and then go hey you want them email me I'll send one to your house and for free th- for free, and then that is a like that's like a hey we're connected right this is a, a thank you yeah like and get them from China so they're like fucking thir- thirty cents yeah a cog yeah and but but buy a bunch. And give them to fans who really, like, I felt like, because, like, you know, Louis' um, email that he sends out? Yeah. Every time I read it, I think it's to me. Like, right. every time he sends out his mass email, Louis CK, hey, just wanted you to know. And I was like, oh, fuck, Louis emailed me. And then I click yeah. and I go, oh, this is mass.
1: Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah.
0: But that's what I thought about doing, but I just never followed through. Yeah. Was like, well,
3: it's like you see people that put it, that tweet all, like a Rob Delaney or somebody like that but i feel like putting out a pie pod- how many podcasts a week do you do one a week so you do one a week every week you're giving people this thing that's like a thousand tweets all put together yeah and i feel like that should be enough but it's not it's not you got to also periscope you got to also instagram there's so much you got to do ever since i started doing every
0: wednesday the same time every wednesday and caring about my podcast yeah like i didn't totally care about it For about a year and a half. Yeah. Like I would do it, but if it came out, it came out. And if I missed two weeks, I missed two weeks. Yeah. And ever since December, I've been really focused on, especially this year, I've been like really focused about putting it out. And I've seen my numbers grow exponentially. Yeah. And I've been like, oh, fuck, I really love my podcast. Right, right. I've gotten into really good conversations, too.
3: Yeah. No, it's a great – well, there's so many reasons to do it. But one is like – you and I are now sitting in a room talking without anyone interrupting. If you're at the comedy store, we would have a 30-second snippet before some guy who did a guest spot on your show in Minneapolis 8 years ago comes up and goes, "Hey, you don't remember me? Hey Matt, they're drunk." All yeah. these comics go to the comedy store and they're like, you know, opening or feature acts And they go there and they think you're supposed to get drunk and glom on people to help your career. It's like, don't you realize how fucking disrespectful that is? This is a workplace. I've got a sheet of jokes in my hand. If I'm in that back hallway and I haven't gone on, I'm focused. I didn't come to the comedy store to make $15. I came (laughs) to try some new fucking material out and to focus. And if you come up to me and you just kind of rudely assume you can you know, just – it's it's really I mean, read the body language.
0: Yeah. I, I, I usually sit inside the OR. Yeah. And, but then
3: I can't read my notes. It's too dark.
0: Uh yeah, I'm I'm not at the place where I feel totally comfortable just rocking out entirely new material in the OR. Yeah. Like I like I'm I've I am i i do not know, we can be totally honest about this. I don't know when this will come out. But like I just got past the comedy store.
3: No shit. Oh uh, yeah, it was a oh, pretty that's big great. deal.
0: Yeah. So like Part of me doesn't want to, like, I'm like, I want everyone to know I'm a good comic first. Yeah, yeah. Before I, you know, start going, like, hey.
3: Right, right, right. Like,
0: uh, here's some, like, I don't mind doing it in the belly room. Yeah. I'll do all new stuff. Yeah. Like, when you go up and do those new material rooms or whatever, storytelling, I'll tell a brand new story I've never told. Yeah. But down in the OR, it's a little bit of a fucking.
3: I got a couple of rooms it. for you you might like that uh, you can do all new shit in. Like, I'm really? doing this gig tonight at Bar Lubbitch. You ever heard of that? Yeah, I have. It's fucking great. Really? Who does that? uh rob o'reilly it's called peachy keen that's the name of the show. yeah and uh you go up and um
0: now how do you how do you okay so here's my biggest problem how do you No, you don't drink so that's one thing but like how do you um f- ride the pendulum of parenting in the morning and being out at night doing spots oh, i
3: don't parent in the morning i sleep
0: You just sleep. I get
3: up at like ten o'clock.
0: Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. I'm up at like fucking six.
3: No, I don't do that.
0: And so when I go to the store, it is like get in at two. I'm gonna be up in four hours.
3: No, you can't do that.
0: Yeah, it's fucking a beast.
3: No, I just realized like I'm like last night I got I got home at like, you know, four thirty, hung out with the kids, played some bocce ball in the backyard with my daughter. Took drove my son to El Segundo for soccer practice, watched him play, drove him to In and Out Burger afterwards, come home. That's my quality time with my kids. So like you in the so- morning, what what the fuck do you get out of it? Well, your kids is different. Once they get to thirteen and fifteen, they fucking trudge down the stairs, eat a bowl of cereal while they're looking at their phone, and yeah. then they go to school. I'm not missing any magic moments there. <laughs> you know, I gotta go earn a living at night. Yeah. You fucking handle. Yeah. My wife handles it. Yeah. You know, granted, she's got to get up, walk the dogs, make breakfast, make lunch, get them dressed. Okay, you're a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Step up. I'm out tonight. I'm doing four sets. You're doing four sets. Yeah. Tonight? Why don't you go? Why don't you go? Fucking trudge around from eight o'clock till midnight doing yeah. shows.
0: That's my. That, like I did. Like Joey will call me up and I'll be like, Joey will call me up booked. Like with bookings for me. No like, shit. Dog. We're going to the Dark Horse. We're gonna swing by, hit up uh, the haha. I go hey, if you want we can go out to Burbank. And you cuz I, I part of me goes I he he just got off I just got off of before you got here. Yeah. And he was like he, I, I I wish I could remember the conversation, but it was all about like we got to be out there more. We yeah. got and so I'll be doing spots in the valley with him just Go do this. Dark Horse is really fucking fun. Yeah, it's kind of you know it's kind of empty. It's a lot of comics. Yeah, but when a laugh gets a laugh, you're like, okay, that works. Uh huh. I got to write, rewrite the other shit.
3: So that's a place you can try new shit out. The Ha Ha, Flappers, and Dark
0: Horse are where I'm at la- a lot lately. Those are all and in the-, the Valley. Yeah, yeah, all in the Valley in Burbank. And then yeah. the store. I feel like I feel like the store is just like, like, like the other night. I was I was just a beast of a fucking lineup. Yeah. And you're like, what are you, am I really going to go after Ron White or Judd Apatow or Daniel Tosh yeah. and work on new stuff? Yeah. Like, it's, I just feel like I would be, I should be doing what Seinfeld
3: told Schumer. Yeah.
0: Like, put on a show.
3: Although you'll find once you start working the store a lot, yeah. it's a lot of the same audience members. Really? And you'll start to feel And first of all, new material can kill. At the uh, at the comedy store, especially in the OR. Yeah. It can kill. They're very supportive. And if you're loose with it and confident with it, I find it goes over just as well as old material. Yeah. You know, but not right away. Like you said, you yeah. got to get your footing, learn the room, understand. Because every room has its own dynamic. Such
0: a weird fucking room. Yeah. Like, it's so bizarre. It, it takes a
3: little bit of crowd work. Yeah, it takes,
0: like, a little bit of, like... Well, I mean, it just takes being like a, a better, much better comic than I, – I think it would be tough if you were an open micer to go up and do that room. Yeah,
3: it's intimidating. Yeah. And there's always a line of comics in the back. The I guy mean, Adam who books it is sitting in the back a lot.
0: Yeah. He's the best, man. He's changed that place.
3: He's unbelievable. I can't say enough good things about him. I don't him. think
0: anyone can say enough good things about him because he took that place and realized all the potential it had. Yeah. He said, no, oh, this could be the greatest room in the country. Yeah. It, it will be. Yep. And then you're doing a show where it's Ron White, Daniel Tosh, Judd Apatow, you, Rogan, Marin, and you, Sebastian, and fucking Jim Jeffries. Maybe take
3: a bathroom break during Tosh. Because that's a big lineup. You can't sit there for everybody. You
0: can't sit there for everybody. <laughs> the podcast we did last, last, your podcast? Yeah. I was like, we got done. I was like, that was a great conversation in my head. I was like, yeah, you know, we'll see. You know, like podcasts are weird. You don't know if it. Yeah. And the day it was released, Segura called me and goes, uh, best podcast I've ever fucking listened to. No shit. He's like, best podcast I've ever fucking listened
3: to. I love that podcast. Got a Thank lot you. of good feedback on Twitter.
0: A lot. Yeah. And I was like, really? He goes, dude, I'm telling you, that could have been two more hours I would have listened to no it. No shit. And I was like, that's so funny. I think we just... I don't know what... I mean, I don't know that was anything different than we're doing now right. or we would had done before, but it was fucking... I was like, maybe I should listen to it. I was like, don't fucking do that. No, no, no. It's a bad fucking call.
3: By the way, there's this new app that's coming out that I don't know if you want to get involved with, but it's going to be, it's going to host podcasts, but you also put like videos. It's got um, all kinds of like bio stuff, your dates, and it's going to be like a bunch of bigger podcasters. Really? And it's going to become like, because you know, iTunes. Try to find pod. Go to the go to the homepage on iTunes it's really and difficult. find podcasts. It's, it's impossible.
0: It, it, the th- especially on your phone, you've got to use the podcast app they have. Right, and even still, I will post in if like I tr- I've tried to find someone's podcast, and I think I I consistently my entire life misspelled Michael. Yeah, and I tried to write Michael, and it didn't come up, and I was like, great, I guess that podcast doesn't exist. Yeah, and then I couldn't fucking find it. And then I was like – I had to go online and then I went to their home like – it, like it was just a fucking nightmare.
3: Yeah. And this way it will be like you know, if you get the right people on it – and I think we got some good people on it so far. Yeah. I'll talk to you about it after the show. I'll be into that. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: yeah I'd love to do that.
3: I want to take control of this stuff more. Make our own network. Well, you know, it just it's – def- it's growing. I've seen my numbers like double in I the last imagine. nine months.
0: It, what, how long you been in it? Seven
3: years? Seven years, yeah. But it plateaued for a while. And now, in the I don't know what it is, the last nine months. Ari it's said the climbing. same thing.
0: He goes, have you noticed a spike? Like, I can look at my, when I do my Libsyn. I think I'm only yeah, on my podcast. Libsyn. I, it's, it's literally flatlined. It, it shows me three lines. A chunk here, and then it's just a down strike of when I was doing Travel Channel yeah. like, the most, and I just wasn't releasing. And then if you look at my recent numbers, just skyrocketing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. It's a good feeling. But right. I, like, And, and it then,
3: makes me think that there is – people are more and more getting accustomed to listen disseminating their entertainment through how they want it. They watch viral videos that they're subscribed to. They go to certain websites and they go to certain podcasts and they control it. Nobody wants to surf on TV anymore.
0: No one wants to surf on TV, but people don't want to lose that thumb. Right. Like the – there's some, there's a, I don't know what the right thing, but like there's this uh what was it? what was the fucking emperor, the this thing the thumbs up thumbs down Julius oh uh, was it Caesar oh it might have just been that Russell Crowe movie yeah yeah it was Gladiator it a, Gladiator yeah but like. So that thumb, you become the emperor. You be like when with the thing that was beautiful about television is you had the you had the power to change the channel thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. And that instantaneous like fuck this show, click. Fuck that show, click. Yeah. Oh, this doesn't matter. Ah, fuck them, click. Right, right. Um so
3: it's the same motion as you get to swipe on a Right.
0: Swipe right, swipe left. Right, Right. Uh Netflix doesn't have that. Yeah. Netflix has a weird, almost puritanical, commitment based Set up of like, I will type in the name. It's almost like Mormonism. Like, I will type in the name. I will then make a commitment. It's an arranged marriage. I will then watch Master of None. And if I don't like it, fuck, man. Do I got to type in another fucking name? Yeah. Oh, shit. How do I find something easier? It right. doesn't have that thumb. Yeah. And the thing with podcasting that I that I notice is As like As
3: opposed to YouTube where it's right there and there's click, click, they're really click. intuitive about listing videos on the yeah. right that you might like
0: click. I'm fucking in and out yeah. of it. Click yeah. Oh shit, wait, also I've been really into this fucking I don't know why, but this bodybuilder guy attacked Rogan online and then Rogan dealt with it really good really like smart. Yeah. I said, listen, man, I'm a fan of your work. I just think you don't need to fucking lose your shit. And then the guy tried to come back, and I was like, who is this guy? I clicked him. And then I was like, fuck, I can't believe I'm into male bodybuilders. And now I'm watching fucking <laughs> – And but then all of a sudden I'll be watching something, and on the right I'll be like, hey, man, we know you're into male bodybuilders. What about this shit? I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck, penitentiary? Pen- pen- they have this thing, penitentiary arms. Yeah. And they're like, I got penitentiary arms. And I was like, what's that? Click. And so <laughs> – but that's what YouTube has that Netflix hasn't figured out, right. but that podcasting – it's so the reason, like, and I'm not shitting on Anthony Cumia, obviously, at all, but, like, one of the things that makes his show tough for me to get into is that it's not within my thumb. Yeah. Like, I got to then go hit Safari on my phone and pull up Anthony Cumia Network. It's not in my... It's not a podcast. It's not in my list of podcasts. Right. It's not... I think same thing with Artie's, maybe, is is his a subscription base, too, Right.
3: Yeah, I think so. And Which, Sirius is kind of, uh, you know, Sirius is swipeable. I think people like that. I got the app on my phone. Yeah.
0: Roland got me the app. I go in. I go to Opie. I go to Ron Bennington. I check out what they're doing. Ah, fuck it, I'm Stern, going to Stern. You got, I'm going to go to, yeah.
3: You got and so it's, uh, it's, Ellis. I,
0: but here's the thing. You know what
3: show is fucking great? Not to get off topic. What's but that? um But Jay Okerson's show. The uh, Bonfire. Bonfire. Really good. Yeah,
0: it's really good. I've been yeah. watching videos from it. Yeah. Um. But the difference is, so then here's that. Someone said to me the other day, they go, trying to sell me some thing, and they're like, it's $1 a month. So all you got to pay, your fans will never know. They'll like look at their credit card statement and be like, well, $1, oh, fuck it. I'm, it's too much to unsubscribe. The thing that Kumi has got is I paid 59 bucks for the year, the first time I subscribed, and every year I get charged another 59 bucks. But I just look at it and I go, ah. Like I go, fuck. Uh, I'll unsubscribe later, maybe, but like, yeah. I haven't even listened to a show other than when like topics come on, but I just find those on YouTube. Yeah. But like that's the thing, is those subscription based once you subscribe, I bet the rate of people unsubscribing is fucking minimal. Right. I bet once you subscribe, you're fucking in.
3: There's so many different business models for podcasts and doing ads is the default way to do it but i just think there's got to be more creative ways to do it you know yeah. like i just know that going back to this thousand fans thing it, getting people like that that are going to be like i have a ten dollar premium membership it's ten bucks a year you get 350 back episodes plus half price tickets when i'm in your city That's it's a bad. fucking unbelievable deal it's not bad at all and a lot of people do it but i don't know if there's not a higher level to go to that uh that people would do that doesn't rely on ads as much. i don't want to do a lot of ads do you do ads sometimes i don't like to do a lot of ads
0: i try not to because for me it's a pain in the ass because it's once again i'm no overhead it's just a one-man show yeah so it's me having to like get the copy fucking read the copy read it within the thing i'm not a really good out loud reader yeah and so then and and it in my head, I'm like, I just see people hitting that skip ahead 15 seconds button right. four times. Right, right, right. Like, I love Marin's podcast, but man, I, I fucking, I know that if I hit it 20 times, I can get through that. Yeah. And then da 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 da. Yeah. And I wait for the music, and then I go back two minutes to hear the introduction of the fucking person. Yeah. And you know, and I, I mean, I, I love Mark, but unless it's, unless it's he's interviewing the president, I'm probably not going to listen that first 10 minutes. Yeah. You know.
3: Oh, you mean his his commercials or him talking? All of it. I've heard that.
0: I mean, all of it. I do the same thing with Ari. I love Ari. I don't listen to his intro. No. The only intro I listen to is Duncan Trussell. Yeah. His intros are fucking insane. Really? Insane. Do
3: they both interview guests?
0: Yeah. Duncan has guests on, but his intros are fucking amazing. Yeah? Oh, yeah. He's higher than giraffe pussy. Just talking about the ethos and the pathos and <laughs> yeah. and Chakra. When Chakra visited the world, yeah. she came unto the giraffe and grabbed her by the eyes and said, take these unto you. I mean, it's like preaching yeah. and you're sitting there going like, this is fucking amazing. Oh, and then he's shit. like, and then all of a sudden he'll read an ad and get out of it. But you're like, oh, fuck, I'll sit around for the ad. Right. And then he just goes into the podcast. And you're like, fuck, that was amazing. Yeah. You know? And I I understand why Marin does it, and I understand why Ari does it, but it just doesn't, you know.
3: Yeah, Rogan banks his out at the beginning. He doesn't. The great thing about his is when you do his podcast, he doesn't do the ad in front of you. He used to. Yeah, now he waits.
0: Which was interesting because uh, you would you would go in and do the ads, and the most natural conversation would start, and he'd be like, "Save it for the podcast." Yeah. But then, and you'd be like, "Well, let's wrap up these ads." But then you'd get off onto some tangents during the ads. Yeah. That you're like, fuck, let's just. You know? Right. I like the way he does it now, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think there's i uh, I've always wanted to do integrations. I don't know why we're not doing integrations.
3: Right. Stuff like that. Something interesting. Like your Speedo idea. Yeah. If you could get something that becomes part of your lifestyle that your fans attach to and they get excited about it and it becomes like a meme kind of a thing. Yeah. That's huge, but I don't think advertisers are being creative about podcasts because we are they are listening they're not it's not on in the background. They're not surfing past it. They're committing an hour to sitting down with headphones on usually not missing a word yeah And you know if the numbers are not as high as TV and by the way, they're getting close.
0: Uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of podcasts that had better numbers than my shows
3: right. Yeah, if a cable show nowadays gets 150 thousand viewers, that's considered all right, in the we'll demographic, pick that up. right?
0: That's, so if you get, if you can get, if you can get 150 thousand viewers in the demographic that they're marketing to, yeah, that's through the fucking roof. Yeah. Now we're only selling to our demographic. That's it. Yeah. There's no other fucking people. The people that aren't listening just aren't listening. Yeah. It is a our demographic, and it is that. It is It is the exact same group of like-minded people.
3: It's what marketers dream of. Yeah. Knowing exactly who they can sell to. And not all it's ads so are odd. meant for all people. Like, you know, Sherry's Berries, you know, like I remember Norm McDonald had a uh, – no, no, Joey Diaz. He, he came on my show and he's like, Yeah, what am I going to sell? Fucking berries? A bunch of rotten fucking berries. You get six of them frozen, sent to Like, he went off on it. Yeah. And I was like, That's fucking great because he realized that's not his demographic. Yeah, so no it's, one- for, it's for people that are buying Valentine <laughs> gifts for their mothers. Isn't, no one in Joey's shows <laughs> buys <buying>
0: Sherry's berries. <laughs> the best is like, it's so odd who decides to, like, who chooses to market on podcasts. Yeah. Like, we're, like, so, I was, I wanted to do this show. I don't. I don't think I'm going to do it. So I can might as well fucking say it out loud. I wanted to do a show called Stranded and Branded, where I go out on an island for fucking 30 days, and every two days a new a new product's brought in. So like, <laughs> to like, and that's so it's like just like things. <laughs> and would that's wash all up, you so got. That's all I got. Yeah. So it's, but it's bizarre, hysterical brands that just wash up. And you're like, fuck, Doctor Soul's inserts. Inserts. I've got seven <laughs> crates of them. What do I do with them? Well, it looks like I'll make my bed out of the, the, the inserts. That's
3: hilarious, right?
0: And but no one gets it. I'm yeah. fucking no one. Everyone's like, yeah, it's a good idea. No, no one wants to commit to it except yeah. for me, who's like, fucking put me on an island, right? Naked. We'll start off with Speedo being my first brand, but like, and and uh but, uh, but is one of the people I met was like, well, can we, can we? M- fold in all your sponsorships to podcasts i was like it's so weird who decides to sponsor on podcasts like mattresses are really big on podcasts yeah mattresses are big and like razors f- shaving yeah and underwear yep like i wonder why i wonder why like
3: once in a while i'll get a weird one like i got a uh a boutique soho clothing shop approached me and, like, really expensive stuff. Yeah. And they sent me a bunch of shirts and sweaters, and it was, like, real cashmere. These were, like, three, $400 sweaters. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I did one ad, and they bailed. I was like, good, I got some clothes out of it. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> Who do they
2: think's looking?
0: Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, I've
3: been looking for cashmere. Right. Ah, no. Right. The fucking- you can't see the clothes. People yeah. want to go see the clothes. Then I get, and then the mattress companies are great you because the they're like, you want to you fucking uh, advertise mattresses? Next day I got a mattress at my house. I'm like, holy shit.
0: I, I got so many emails. Tom Segura and I did a mattress fucking campaign. You did? Yeah. And Segura's like, I don't know if I'm not, it was, it was a really great opportunity. But it was so funny. I got emails from people were like, hey, how good is that mattress? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't I'll know. tell you what, that
3: Casper one's fucking good. I was
0: like, I was like, I was like, hey man, I one of my buddies, John Moore, I'm I'm a, he was like, hey man, you and Segura are going off about these fucking mattresses. I'm buying a mattress. And I called him and I go, hey man, go to a mattress store and like lay down on it first. Like that's how you that's a fucking mattress.
3: Who the fuck? Yeah. Bert Kreischer seems to be sleeping well on it. Like what the fuck? Bert Kreischer's drunk. He's I'm sleeping on anything. It's fucking night. I slept at the top the other night. The mattress was perfect oh i'm gonna buy a tub apparently they're comfy I'm probably losing
0: a mattress sponsorship right fucking now
3: well and the razors are like you know how different i i swear to god i, I don't a know the crack. difference you I gotta have be- a fucking beard. i've done these fucking hairy razors i've had a beard for fucking 12 years the fuck right right i razors it's like the fucking weirdest right i got fucking stamps.com i i I mail three letters a year (laughs) i got a scale in my house what are you fucking high oh
0: it's so funny because you're just like you're like yeah i'll do it and then you're like huh like the i remember the big one was we all got someone wanted to advertise their marijuana stuff on their thing i was like i was like here's a product i can probably talk pretty yeah and my wife's
3: like no fucking way and so
0: we couldn't do it and i was like
3: oh you scare off all your other sponsors like booze
0: booze was weird because we i don't know and i'm not going to speak out but we tried to do a booze sponsorship but one of our friends had had a dui and so because that friend had had a dui and was the most famous of all of us we lost our booze sponsorship no yeah who was it uh uh, a podcaster yeah podcaster yeah yeah.
3: Who got a DUI and lost his license? Uh,
0: no, no, no. He got a DUI. So we had like this beer sponsorship. I don't like I want to say it was maybe Tecate or it was like a it was a big uh, maybe it was in I don't Newcastle. Yeah. I forget. Maybe it was No, it was a uh, it was uh put, uh tequila. Okay. I want to say it was tequila. And uh and we were all excited. We are like, "Fuck, we did a big show at the at the store." This is our first show. The sponsors are coming out. The brand's coming out. Big fucking thing. And then we get a call from the, like, the guy that had the DUI. And he's like, just running through. No one's ever had any fucking problems legally with alcohol. And we're like, no, no, we're all good. And he's like, fine. And then they come to him and they're like, hey, someone popped positive. He's like, who the fuck was it? And they're like, you. And he was like, oh, fuck. That's right. I got a DUI.
3: <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I got a DUI. I fucking <laughs> totally forgot about it, man. I, fucking, I totally forgot
0: about it. <laughs> and, you're like, and you are like, but you couldn't be mad because he was the only reason they were
3: Wait, coming anyway. Mouth to me who it is. Oh, no shit. Yes. Oh. And fuck. He was like, he literally showed up to the show, like, I'm so
0: sorry, guys. Uh, like, I totally forgot I got a DUI. Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even. And we're like, we don't give a fuck. The only reason they were coming is because of you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, they, they don't give a shit yeah, about we were all coattails yeah, We're all riding yeah. your coattails anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, – but that was, like, I would love a booze sponsorship. Yeah. I would love – I wouldn't mind doing cigarettes. Well, you know <laughs> – Like, cigarettes, <laughs> like
3: – I do cigarettes. I mean, they're yeah. looking for – I just start smoking It's not again. like kids listen to your podcast. Yeah. Guys, but, these cigarettes are fantastic. But booze, like, you look at – you know, Corolla makes a huge chunk of his money on Mangria.
0: But – you need a huge chunk of money going into that. Right. You can't just – I trust me. I tried to buy a vodka company like an idiot, like all my ideas. I spit it out first. I'm buying a vodka company. Everyone got really excited. Lined up with a bunch of vodka companies all in there. I got all those vodkas still. Lined up, had a tasting, picked my favorite vodka company, no real brand presence. Let's merge. Uh, sure. How about 250 off the top? Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars, we'll get it started. And I was no like, okay, shit. hold on, okay. Let's stop. <laughs> and they're like, and we can't mail it. We can't it's gotta be sold out of stores and we yeah. for that. I was like, all right, fine. So then we get a new one. We get nut. this is like the fucking dream one. Uh you ready for this? Perfect fucking marriage. Vodka in those little emergency pouches in plastic pouches. Uh huh. To go packets yeah. of vodka. For real alcoholics. Fucking stamp on the machine vodka yeah. in a to-go pack. Throw four in your back pocket, go to a concert. Yeah. Throw four in your backpack, get on a flight. Yeah. Throw four in your fucking thing, go, go to an church.
3: expensive nightclub, buy a Coke, throw the fucking rum in yourself. Fucking
0: yes. Yeah. So I go, I'm in. Ta- a company's out of Clearwater, Florida, and we fucking line it up. It's a, It's a sizable purchase for the first initial one i want to say it was like 75 grand but my wife and i talked about it we're like don't worry about it we'll take everything out of our savings we'll go at when we're gonna invest in this we will make this money back and they're like awesome so we get the deal i mean almost closed and the guy says to us in passing so when are you gonna come pick them up and i was like huh and he's like well we don't ship them for you you need a warehouse to house all this vodka." And you need to pick them up. You need a truck, and you're also going to need a license, I think, to drive vodka around. And like, he's like, it was like, I, none of the stuff we had thought of. And, yeah. And literally, everyone's like, "Hold it's on, like,
3: what am I, Joe Kennedy? Yeah, the like,
0: 1940s. I, I need to, I need to drive down in a truck, pick up fucking 19 crates of vodka, <laughs> and then am I going to promote my parents? Have a forklift? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like, I can't even operate a forklift. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then they were like, and they were like, and then. And they're like, and you need like a license to to ship them? Yeah. So, and I was going to sell them through my podcast. I didn't think any of this through. Yeah. And then the latest one I have, there's this company out of Grand Rapids that I'm going to do a call-and-stick-to-work show. They're, it's a bar um, that I did a show with, and they do vodka. We were talking about doing a machine vodka, and then just just literally just going, here's my face. I just want 2%. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. Right. It's just really hard. Corolla's... And is a much better businessman than I
3: am. Yeah, well, he's got a good team behind him. They, they've got a whole... He's got a team, man. That's what I need. Yeah, fucking yeah. team. You need a team. I said I'd be a much better
0: comic if I just had one fucking assistant travel with me everywhere, write down every new bit, uh, tape record all my sets, pull out all the new stuff, put like just a little bit of fucking
3: work. Well, well you know what you do is you hire a feature act who's, you know, good, yeah. but who's hungry for work and say, here's the deal. You got to do all this stuff. I'll pay you a little extra on top of the feature money. Because that way, they've got a hotel a lot of times and a flight. And you say, no, we're not going to have an opening act anymore. We're going to take that money, give it to you.
0: Just two-man shows?
3: Two-man shows. You do an hour. They do 25. That'd be great. Boom. You're done.
0: That'd be great.
3: Yeah. What about t-shirts? I saw you got a bunch of t-shirts in your garage.
0: (sighs) I'm moving t-shirts like crazy right now. Are you? Yeah.
3: What do they say on them?
0: I got... Uh... Four t-shirts? No. 3 t- No. I got ones that are Burt cast. I got ones that's a bear's face. And inside the bear it says marshmallow. Um, those are moving. I don't know why, but those are moving like crazy. They must have played the the marshmallow s- story on something. Yeah. From fighting the bear. I got the machine shirts, which is my face on Russian propaganda art. That changed our lives. That shirt changed my life. Really? 100%. 100%. Like we did... Yeah, like I gave one to Rogan. When we first came out with him, this was probably four years ago, I gave one to Rogan. He wore it on his podcast, and it was one of those things where my wife was getting emails when we sold a shirt, and her phone was going ding, 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 ding. No shit. She had to turn it off, and then she woke up the next morning, and she was like, uh, we just sold that much in T-shirts, and you were like, shut the fuck up. And like three months later, we were like, uh, we just made more in T-shirts than we made on the road this year. Wow. And that, that shirt... That shirt was insane. Yeah. Um. And then I got a new one. Uh, I got a new one that says, uh, Fat Shaming is Real. I'll give you that one. Uh, that's my favorite one. I oh, have. that's good. That's my favorite one. I drew it as a, me as a fat mermaid. Yeah. And uh, I just released that like last week.
3: And who ships them? My sister. Oh, no so shit. My sister
0: comes in and does all the, um, all the packing, the books. I, does we, she order the new shirts, everything? Orders the shirts. We do my book we do trading cards because i did a thing with gingham minter or alan ginter whatever yeah people make trading cards we did something with them and uh they gave us like fucking 500 trading cards of me and so we sell those we sell the shirts and uh yeah it's it's and it's a nice side business it's like just
3: extra cash so she just takes a percentage of it and deals with everything
0: i think she gets paid salary Yeah. Like, I think we just pay her regardless. And she packs my bags for the road and then sends out shirts and books. Yeah. So she'll come in here with like 10 books. By the way, I wish I had done – if I ever do another book, I'll totally self-publish.
3: I was just going to ask you because I did a book, but I don't think I can sell them on my own. I mean, I don't think Simon Schuster would let me just – Well, we buy them from them. Oh, from the publisher. We
0: buy them for the publisher from a very marked-up price.
3: Right. And then sell them. So, the profit margin's not huge on the book? No. Plus, you got to ship it, which is expensive.
0: It's a shipping expensive, and then taking them on the road's expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. it's I, did, I, I did a little bit of a grassroots campaign when I first did the book. I did it the same way. I made no money off of. What I did is I sold them on the road. I pre sold them, gave me your email address. I'll send you an email, charge you for the book. You pay me cash. That's right. You pay me cash or pay me right now. I will then get your email and I'll send you a book when it comes out to try to get my pre-sales up. Right. So I get them on the bestseller list. Yeah. And I did not. Yeah. I did not make the bestseller list. But it was a really interesting way to go about selling the book out, out the gate. I just recently – I'm say recently. A few last six months whatever – Made all my money back from the books. Now I'm in the green, where anytime we sell any books, I make profit.
3: But this is self published.
0: No, I that's through uh, Saint Martin's.
3: So what do you mean, made your money back? Oh, on the amount of books you purchase from them to sell yourself? No, no, no. On on any book sold now, I get a profit. Got it. Like
0: so, I'm finally in the in the red or in the green? In
3: the in the red. In the red. Yeah.
0: In for the books. So. Or is it in the black? It's no, in the black. In the black. Yeah. An odd which one. is ironic? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like like I really th- I take meetings sometimes I just listen to the people and I go, "I think I could do this all myself." Right. Like that video I made yesterday, 2 days ago I made this video, that video of the fat shade or the speedo thing. Yeah. I made the video in my friend's backyard. My friend's 10-year-old shot it for me. He set the camera up, squared it up. I looked at the shot. I mean, I couldn't really see it, so I looked at the shot. Yeah. I was like, "It looks good." He hit record. He I put I used this audio. And then all of a sudden your agents and managers are like, this is fucking genius. Yeah. In your head you're like, I just did it as a lark. Yep. I was just fucking around. Yeah.
3: And then, Because we create content as opposed to the industry creates deals yeah. and pitches and meetings. We just do it.
0: And I, and I think the podcast is the one thing that turned the – I remember listening to your podcast a long fucking time ago, right when you first started, and I was like, in my head, I was like, I wish I could get a deal to do one of those. I remember I was, I can tell you where I was at. I was on the 405 going under the 10 and I listened. I, I think Andy Dick was spiraling out uh-huh. on your, on your, on your podcast. Right. It was when you did, did both. Right. You'd, I think you do them and release them or you do half and then do another half.
3: Well, I do a serious show, so they're on for an hour, and then I do a podcast right after with the same guest for an hour.
0: So it was the and I want to and I listened to both, and I was like, I want to get a deal to do a podcast. Yeah, and then I remember doing Rogan's and being like in his house, going, "God, I wish I had enough money to buy all this equipment." Yeah, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Oh fuck!" Now it's sitting here with like six hundred dollars total of equipment. Yeah, and you're like, it's you don't need and like I was I was thinking I was like doing this audio comedy thing. I was like, you know, I could. I could probably release them in the very beginning of my podcast, get some energy built up, then do like a comedy album, get in like Todd, get in some really funny people that would yeah. do it for free. And I bet I could make some money. And then I'm like, fuck, I don't know what part of the business I need anymore. Yeah. What part of the industry is going to be the first canary in the mine where you're like, holy shit, agents don't have assistants anymore. You know, or like, what is the thing, you know?
3: Well, and also it's like, you know, you're going to get things because of, it. literally, people don't understand this. This is true. Production companies, networks will literally look up how many Twitter followers you have. They'll look up where your ranking is of your podcast on iTunes. They'll look up your Instagram followers. And that's what they will base. Not to say that they'll give a show only on that, but it's a huge factor. Oh, yeah. So if you focus on building up your own following, the rest comes to you as opposed to chasing it down.
0: As opposed to chasing it down is the exact analogy. Like I I said to my wife last night, she was like, where do you want to be in this industry in five years? I said, I don't want anyone. Like I want to be able to go – I want someone to call me and then me go, "Uh, I think I'm good. I like what I'm doing. And she goes, that's ego-based. I go, no, it's not. I think that's what I I want. It's not on my ego. I just want to be making such cool shit that someone comes to me with an offer and I'm like, "Uh, I already like what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I want – like I remember – Bill and Al had a show for Travel Channel that was so fucking brilliant. And Travel's like, "Do you think we can get them?" And I was like, "I don't know." And I remember running to Bill and he's like, "Nah." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's my by the way, that's my dream is for the network to want to do the thing I want to do." Yeah. And Bill just was like, "Nah." Yeah. And Al was like, "I I, I don't have time for it either."
3: Yeah. And I was like, "I wanna not have time for shit." Right. No, I remember um there's this thing comparing Trump to uh to um What's his name? Uh, the billionaire who lives in uh, Nebraska, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, and uh, they're comparing their their uh, visions of business. And one of the questions was, um, how do you, how, how often do you make deals? And Trump said, I make as many deals as possible because most of them fall through. So you just keep throwing things at the wall. And Warren Buffett said, I say no to almost everything. <sighs> And look at those two guys. I mean, look at not only who's more respected, but fucking Trump has not made the kind of money he's saying he's made. He's failed colossally on many things. Warren Buffett has made so much fucking money. It's mind-boggling. He's one of the wealthiest guys in the world. And every opinion he had, look it up. I I can't remember what site it was on, but if you look up Warren Buffett, Donald Trump opinions it's like 10 things and it's they could not be more diametrically opposed
0: so what was the first project you said no to
3: oh god um i said no to a game show on mtv and uh and my manager kept calling me and saying no you got to do it and i was like you know i was like the hot guy at the time i it was 1996 i just come out of the montreal comedy festival where you know, I just, I'd been doing comedy like seven or eight years. Nobody had ever seen me before because I came up in Boston. Yeah. And then I went up there and I did some sets and I just, you know, got lucky and killed. Yeah. And all of a sudden I had fucking industry literally standing in a line to hand me cards. Really? Got like head of NBC. This is back when the networks went to the Montreal Comedy Sweet. Festival. What was
0: what was, so like, I know what Montreal looks like now. Did it Was it the same
3: venues? Where were you performing? Yeah, same venues. We, well, no, not the same venues, but you know, hotels that had banquet rooms that they converted into show. Not great setups. Really? But then there was some clubs that were really good. So it was a combination. I was doing a lot of sets. Yeah. And they just started coming, and they just kept coming, and it got bigger and bigger, until by the end of the weekend, I had a stack of business cards Holy about shit. nine inches high, and it was all like... And I didn't have an agent or a manager at the time. So it wasn't just the networks that were all interested, but the agents. And so I had Shut breakfast, up. lunch, dinner meetings. I had a, By the time I left there, I had a development deal with Fox, a big, fat development deal. 1996?
0: 1996. This, was, is, this is, th- I, I want to say, arguably three years before the de- development deal died. Right. This is the heyday this of, the, of heyday. the development deal.
3: Then I, I got a spot on Letterman. I signed with Dave Becky, who's like the biggest manager in the business. Signed with Abrams artists that were big at the time. Yeah, I got a show on a, on the USA Network, like a like a segment on a show, yeah. recurring. All ha- and I had nothing before that. I was a feature act before that, headlining a handful of clubs, mostly a feature act. Shut all up. of a sudden, I was headlining every club in the country, the best clubs. It all changed in a week for me. And then my agent came to me and he said, do you want to host a game show on MTV? And I was like, absolutely not. I, like, I want to become an actor. What was the show? It's called Idiot Savants. And, he, and they, they kept coming back and the deal got better and then I finally said yes. Really? And it was the best thing I ever did. God. But I, Yeah, but I said no to different things. I've never said no to anything. Never said now no. Now I don't. Now you don't say no? I don't say no to anything. Pretty much.
0: Like, I, I, my thing, my dad said this to me the other day. My, I think it was a fault a fault. When I was very young in the business, my dad, I, w- I wanted to turn something down. Yeah. And it was the Jameson comedy tour. Right. They wanted me to do the tour. It was good money. I'll tell you the money. It was five grand a week. You did 20 minutes. They flew you first class, put you up first class and you got Jameson every one month. And in my head, I, I remember the one caveat was you couldn't make jokes about drinking on stage. Yeah. And I was like, I was in the car with my dad. I want to say it was the day Chris Farley died, although it probably wasn't. But uh, but I feel like it was that day, only because I just feel like I remember having that conversation, too. And I was like, I was like, fuck that. No one tells me what I do on stage. And my dad's like, you're out of your fucking mind. He was like, you got a kid on the way, yeah. I think. Or I had a kid at the time. I think I might have had two kids, yeah. and he's like, "You fucking take this. You eat shit and you cash checks. Yeah, you do not fucking look this gift horse in the mouth. You eat shit and you. If they tell you work clean, you work fucking clean. You're an idiot right now. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, and that was my mo from that day until like maybe a month ago. And I'm had a conversation with my dad. We were at the beach. And I said something like, no, I'll probably do it. Eat shit and cash checks, right? And my dad's like, no, no. He was like, that's just from the beginning. Like, you need to, need to be, like, more choosy right. about what you do. Right. And so now I'm kind of being a little more discerning of, like, like what do I – like, my time is a little more precious maybe. Yeah. Because I'm getting older or, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever really turned on anything.
3: Well, I think a lot of it is that I've worked with certain producers and networks before, so when I get an offer, it's usually because they know who I am and what I do, and so it's like in that wheelhouse.
0: Hey, not not to totally change subjects, but right. I know you're friends with uh, Mike.
3: Gibbons? Yeah. Yeah. His new show. Yeah, he's my best friend. With uh, Joel. Joel McHale. Yeah, looks fucking awesome. Well, yeah, Mike came up. Mike, I was his best man. He was my best man. You, I, I want to say... I want to say like your podcast was you and him. It was he was my sidekick for the first five years.
0: Yeah, I love i. I, I used to be so interested in what you two's life was like. Yeah, because he's 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 a funny fucking guy.
3: Yeah, uh, how do you know him?
0: J- your podcast. I was just I've yeah. never even met the guy.
3: Right? No, he's uh he's the funniest guy I know, smartest guy I know, and um he basically started out as uh you know staff writer on Kilborn worked as we have to head writer, then became head writer on a bunch of other shows, created Tosh.0 with Daniel, uh, created the George Lopez show, created The Burn with Jeffrey Ross, like just all over the place. Really? And, uh, and then he had an idea for a sitcom, never written on a sitcom in his life. I don't even know if he'd written an episode, spec script. Yeah. Pitches it to CBS. They, they love it, so they order a script. He writes the script. They shoot a pilot. It gets real close, doesn't go. A month later, they give him another deal. Writes the script, you know, for fucking good money. Yeah. Writes the script. They pick it up. They shoot the pilot. They get Joel McHale on it. Um, uh, James Burroughs directed it. Holy shit. And, uh, and it gets picked up to series. They get put after Big Bang Theory, the Best spot on TV that you can get following the number one show. Yeah. So it airs in the fall. I just talked to him. Actually driving up here. I just talked to him, and he said it's a bear. He's like got home at two thirty in the morning last night, and uh,
0: I love I love his. Uh, he did an interview, and where the millennials were attacking him. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, the fact that you just cut me off right there is exactly what I'm talking."
3: Yeah, about. Yeah. It was the uh, the whatever the press the press corps has a has like a, a little uh, like a uh, convention. And yeah. And, and yeah, so he was speaking about the show. And and the show is about a guy who's a little bit older having to work with millennials. and how A Howard, guy who's
0: lived his, lived a life.
3: Right. A guy who was a travel writer. <laughs> he was all over the world, in the jungles. And he comes back because they're going all digital, the magazine. And so now he's like stuck in an office with millennials and what pussies they are. And and yeah, this millennial stands up and he goes, well, don't you think that this is offensive to millennials? Don't you think that this is insensitive? And he goes, all right, so let me get this straight. A millennial is absolutely. Asking me if, if making fun of millennials for being too soft is offensive. <laughs> and he just fucking... That's the thing about Mike is he can cut anybody down with pure logic. He stays so cool. Yeah. He's so, he has such clear vision. And it's why he's such a great producer. How did you guys meet? BU. We were buddies at BU. Are you serious? Yeah. He and I... Graduated at the same time, moved to New York at the same time where we lived a block from each other for 10 years, moved to L.A. at the same time, got married at the same time, had kids at the same time. Shut. Our fathers were friends in the Bronx growing up. Our sisters were friends before he and I were because they went to a school together. Um, it goes on and on. I mean, all the, all these things happened before we ever met. Shut up.
0: Yeah. Do you guys talk every day?
3: Yeah. Well, no, not uh, not now. Now that he's working on that show, I never talk to him. Get the fuck out! Yeah. Do you ever look at a friend like that
0: and go, uh, "You're gonna"? I know your answer already. But do you ever look at a friend like that and go, I "Wonder if they can help me out sometimes"?
3: Well, it's hard because you know he he offered me a job doing punch up on the show. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do it, but then they've already got fourteen writers, so the punch up thing is just not something that's happening right now. But I feel like. I'm kind of Buddhist-like. I I try to not ever want anything. That's the thing that keeps me from getting crazy in this business. Is I really believe things will come, and they come when they're supposed to come. And so when I talk to him, like, we didn't even talk about that writing job on the phone. Yeah. It's just like I know that if they need it and and the money comes through from the network, that I'll be there. Yeah. And I'll love to do it. But if it doesn't, you know, my friendship with him is so much more important.
0: So what, like, what do you like what do you want to do like what do you like what what's like i i there's so many things i see you like like i know that for me i see myself doing other things in this business but like what do you want what is what's like what's like your the thing that you want the most
3: i like to do a weekly talk variety show but i find a different spin on it you know i like to find something where look I'd love to do a monologue. I'd like to get some good writers write me some good shit and do it not topical but on a topic like something evergreen, you know, talking about uh, misogyny, talking about drugs, whatever, and do great monologues. And then go out and do – like not breaking the mold necessarily but doing it in a way that's a little bit deeper and a little bit more personal. Like I find talk shows to be very cold. You never really find out about the host. And I think if you took that same format and you personalized it, like a podcast almost. It would almost be like a video podcast. So, you know, I'd love to do that. But, um, you know, I just did a sitcom. I just did a a guest spot on a sitcom. And and I just realized, like, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm not that interested in sitting in a trailer all day so I can say a few lines that don't feel like they're me.
0: Yeah. You know? I, I don't see that... I would love to see you do a video, like a like. I mean, I guess a a, a weekly variety show. You mean the whole thing would be like you take one subject and then explore it for the whole show?
3: Maybe. I mean, I, I like want, that idea. Like, yeah. if you
0: took misogyny, did field pieces, did sketches, did right. a monologue, did have an interview. Have it's a guest, like you
3: know, have on Kurt Metzger. Yeah. Talk about it. You know, maybe a panel. Like, I, I, re- I miss Tough Crowd. I think <sighs> that that was a perfect format.
0: That and, that is that is uh, Bobby Kelly and I and I talked about it, and to Bobby's like he wishes it would come back.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know why it's not coming back. But, you know, Chelsea Handler did a a soft pop culture version of it. But that show is about politics and race and deep social conflict. It was about real things. And I don't know why that show doesn't exist. But uh, I also have a show I want to do with Joey Diaz. I talked to him about that's going to be like the church of Joey Diaz. Yeah. You know, like him giving a sermon and uh, hearing confession from audience members and giving them penance. And uh, so I want to do something different dark and dirty where he can talk the way he talks completely be himself and just unleash. I just want to see Joey unleash because I think that when people see him for the first time, like I did this benefit this past year and I had Joey on, but I also had a lot of the cool kids like Zach Galifianakis and Sarah Silverman and yeah. people like that. And they of course had never seen or heard of Joey Diaz before. Really? And so I put him on like first and they were all sitting in the back and he was a little bit self-conscious, like, oh, these fucking guys, you yeah. know? So he did his shit. He's talking about this girl pissing in his mouth and all this stuff. And I'm sitting with Zach and them, and they and they just jaws dropped. They're going, who is this guy? Yeah. I was like, that's fucking Joey Diaz. And they were blown away by him. And I think that when you expose Joey Diaz to people, they just – they don't know what to make of it, but they're going to watch it again.
0: yeah. He did, I, we have been doing these spots and I went to the Rams game and I had this, I wanted to get a shirt, a jersey, and then I was like, ah, I'm too old to get a jersey. Yeah. And I and I wrote this joke real quick. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, I'll do this bit on jerseys, on how I'd get a jersey of a guy I'd probably call the cops on if he was walking through my neighborhood. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I write that down. And Joey and I go do a show together and he hops up on stage. He's already got a fucking huge chunk on jerseys. Yeah, But it's. But it's like, imagine if you could say all the stuff that you'd want to think, but yeah. you never could say. Yeah. Joe's like, I'm not getting some fucking jersey or some fucking cocksucker, and just goes off on this racially charged, yeah, yeah. fucking massively <laughs> insensitive, fucking wife-beating, yeah. coke-snorting, right. fucking mo- you, I just, it, And I was like, I guess I won't do my yeah, little right. bit on that. My I little guess shadow my on the wall. My, my little shadow! <laughs> my, my shadow puppet of his fucking cave
3: painting. (laughs) oh it was fucking the best i would pay money
0: to watch zach watch joey
3: yeah it was great it was great because the thing is about stand-up is yeah i don't think it's explored the breadth of stand-up is so wide and you think about guitar acts you think about what gallagher did you think about carrot top you think about lewis black it's Anything and I respect all of it. And I yeah. think when good comics see good comics, it doesn't matter what little niche they're in, they feel it. They know when something's real. Yeah. And I think that Joey is is a organic, natural voice, and I think it needs to be captured. But it can all there's only like two networks that it would be right for. Do you see that a lot
0: with other comics where you're like, Well, oh, I could turn that into a show?
3: Uh, not that often. No. I see comics that I think would be part of a panel yeah. that would be good. You know, because I... Th- what can I do then? Like, what the fuck? What is my strength? <laughs> well, I mean, I think what you said about me with the family thing, I, I always think, like, you got to talk about your life and, you know, the yeah. things you say about your family. You know, obviously, it's, it's a follow around. I could see a follow around reality show of you meshing being a party animal with getting up at 6 a.m. to be with your kids. Yeah. You know, and and you know where that leads you. I mean, those are bears to film, though, because it's like you know you're invading you're invading your own family's privacy. You're being followed. The editing is fucking crazy. Oh, we Hundreds of hours of shit to do.
0: We've had offers, um, a lot of offers to do the we'll do the renovation and do a show with the girls and Leanne. Yeah, and, and Leanne just kills them. She's yeah, like fuck no, right? Because because of what happened last night like i told you the very true story of how that is if i ever figure that on stage it'll be a lot lessened right like it'll be like oh it's fun this is yeah little giddy parenting yeah i won't tell you how awful of a fucking parent i am yeah but to watch that in that moment you would have been like oh these people are fucking bad right but uh
3: you know there could be a show of dads with different parenting techniques you know dirty dads like like i'm you know like as a father i'm you know, I did. I just wrote a whole bunch of uh, blogs for Parent. Co, and really? they're about like based on the the dangerous book for boys, which is this book where you uh, yeah,
0: I bought that book. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, that's a great book. So
3: I did a bunch of things. We built a go kart. We built a fucking tree fort that's the size of this garage. Really? And we so I I do dangerous shit. We went down the steepest hill in Venice, flipped the go kart, almost broke some bones. Um, you know, we go surfing in giant waves. I try to get him hurt. He's got scars, and I think that's good. And you know, and I, my parenting style is like, yeah, you know what? Go for it. I did as a kid; made me who I am. And so, I, and then you have a parent that maybe is a little bit like Tom Papa. I think is a little bit more <laughs> shadow parenting. You know. I, I've seen him parent,
0: like, from afar. Yeah. With, uh, with, we li- he lives right around here. Yeah. And so we go to the same restaurant sometimes, and I'll see him, and I won't say hi. I'll just watch him parent. <laughs> ah,
3: so, with his gentle it, little yeah. voice. Uh,
0: okay, kid. Are you sure you don't want breadsticks? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me cut that for you.
3: I <laughs> will <laughs> watch him So parent. I think a Sunday morning show that's a panel with some dads talking about yeah. anything family-related that's in the news that's really gutsy. That a might be idea. an interesting show. That's a
0: great idea. So when you take a meeting, do you have ideas, or do you just like fucking just roll with it and kind of shoot from the hip the entire no, time? No,
3: it's like I just I just pitched a pilot. We're waiting to hear, and it was me and uh, two other guys, the Daily Show producers, Yeah. and we did this idea. It was called Fits My Life, and it's just me giving advice to people. And so we shot a pilot presentation and then we beat out, you know, meetings and meetings and beating out the pitch yeah. and going in. And, you know, they they wanted to, like, set it up at the beginning and then let me go. And it just got to the point where I was like, fellas, fellas, it's like cardboard. They're great guys and they're great producers, but a comedian needs to run a pitch meeting. Yes. You know, because you get a manager, an agent going, well, the thing about it, they talk third person like you're not in the room. The thing about Greg is he's got a great demographic. It's like, shut up. Here's the fucking show. Yeah. And you make them laugh and you make them laugh and you make them laugh and then you leave. That's nope. what it is. But while you're making them laugh, you're giving them little snapshots of what the show is. They've got to feel it. They got to see it. And if they're not laughing, they're not buying it. Yeah. And don't ever pitch in the afternoon. Really? All they do is fucking yawn. They want to get out of there. They're pitch behind the on work. Pitch in the morning. Go in there at 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. That's the spot. Fuck I me. won't do afternoon pitches anymore. God damn it.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just I'm in the midst of a, of general meetings. I think general meetings, but everything turns into a pitch. Yeah. Right. And I'm always, well, yeah,
3: that's different.
0: Yeah. Like it's like meeting with you know what do you want to do, what do you want to do and you tell them what you want to do but all my ideas are fucking all my ideas are way too out there yeah they're like huh i was like yeah you know i think that would be fun
3: well it's and, also you gotta like always know who you're pitching to you go you gotta research the know. network oh i don't see know what anything. shows they have on the air oh
0: i just go uh this is what i want to do yeah, yeah i know yeah. what i want to do right now and i want to do it this right. is what i want to fucking do right. and then i get inspired by something and i was like that speedo thing i was like i'm fucking inspired i want to deal with speedo and i want speedo to call me up and go make content for us with speedo yeah i I just want and i'm like and then you get passionate about it you're like oh fuck yeah like i'm really passionate about i wish i could get people to do it but doing a fucking 6 a.m drinking morning show out of here yeah like just a video like a fucking really bad video morning news show yeah. With a guest and just getting fucking obliterated at 6 a.m. Yeah. And just, and, but I, then our Wi Fi is fucked up, so I can't live stream it yet.
3: Well, getting Doug with High is done very well. Yeah. Well, I talked to, I talked to the people at
0: Jash. Yeah. And we were talking about doing the Call and Sick to Work tour that I do, the Call and Sick to Work show. Yeah. And do a Call and Sick to Work show. Yeah. Just do it fucking 7 a.m. at a Jash, but then I was like, who wants to get hammered and go to Culvert City? Yeah. I was like, what if, can we do it out of here? Like maybe? Here? Yeah. Do it my Really? Yeah. Coming to my man cave at 6 a.m.
3: You know, what you got to do is have people meet you at the Starbucks on Ventura, and then blindfold them and bring them here so they don't know where you live.
0: Oh yeah. You don't
3: want people to know where you live.
0: Yeah. Do when you go to someone's house, do you ever Google how much they paid for it? No. Oh, I
3: do that all the time. Well, I know what you paid for this place. You yeah, told I told me. you, yeah. <laughs> but like
0: I do that anytime I go to a house, I'm like,
3: wow. I bought my place in Venice 12 years ago. Oh. It's tripled in value. When did you sell it? I didn't. No, you more than tripled in value. You I still, still have own it. it. I rent it out. Where do you live now? It's got three units on it. I rent them out. I live in Mar Vista.
0: Shut up. Oh, fuck
3: Venice. What do I want a backyard with a fucking crackhead in it? God,
0: yeah. Done with Venice. That's me. I'm backyard. It's, got, it's
3: all. It's all like uh, hipsters now. People, you know, gelato shops and guys with pork chop sideburns and kids in fucking $2,000 strollers. But it's badass to, for your son to be like, yeah, I grew up in Venice. He did. He grew up in Venice. Grew up in Venice. Yeah. Dogtown. There's fucking... He grew up in Venice. My daughter's a surfer. Yeah. She's on the surf team at school. That's her gym class. Three days a week, year round. so She's badass. Fucking, me and my son build, build skateboards together. So fucking yeah. badass. Yeah. And we'll move back to that house, but it's too small for us right now. Really? Really? You know the kids were sharing a room, so we moved to Mar Vista, and now we'll uh, wait for them to go off to college, and we'll move back.
0: Does that depress you?
3: Them going to college, yeah. We're going to be lost.
0: I'm going to be fucking. I mean, we had that scare with boarding school last night, yeah. and it just depressed me. Like the yeah. even the idea of them leaving, right? Like they're so our life right now. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine. They
3: make me think about young, new, different things. Yeah. Just stupid shit, showing me viral videos or, you know, introducing me to me. My son introduced me to all kinds of music and uh, just k- k- meeting his friends and having conversations with young people.
0: Yeah. Like, just, I mean, just like, the, I didn't even work out yesterday, but I went and I played softball with the girls. I pitched to them and yeah. threw with them. and And I'm... And you're just laughing so much that when they leave, I think it's just look at my wife and be like, I'm ready for another one.
3: Well, and you have this vision that you're going to see them all the time. You know, there's a lot of kids that see their parents three, four times a year after they move out.
0: Fuck. Well, I, I mean, it almost gives me anxiety just to live with my wife. Like if it's just me and her. No kids. Like, how
3: often are you guys having sex?
0: Uh, once a week, but we're in a little bit of dry spell right now because of the house. Yeah, I would imagine because it's it, she's very vocal, and there's no way we can do it when they're asleep. So, do wake you up. think
3: you'll have more sex when the kids grow up and move out? I mean, my wife's gonna be like 55. Yeah,
0: no, All right. she's already in premenopause right now. Yeah, or perimenopause or whatever, mm. and so I can't. I don't know. I don't know. It just fucking freaks me out. Yeah, like it freaks me out to think like that. My girls will go off to college. And then I'll just sit with this lady all day. Yeah. And just be like,
3: mm. And you've told all your stories. Yeah. You can't, there's nothing, you start a story, yeah, 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 yeah I know. So you oh. hang out, and then here's the worst. You ever in a restaurant and you see that couple and they're older and they don't talk the whole meal because they're exhausted? <sighs> They've exhausted their stories? I'll tell they you what. They comment on the fucking lettuce? Yeah. The service, they try to engage the waiter too much. They try to talk to the waiter too much, and he's got other tables to deal with.
0: My wife said to me the other day, she goes, she said something about uh, our retirement fund and getting old. And I told her, and it almost made me feel good I'm going to die before I get old. Like, I was like, I plan on being out of here. I don't want to – like we saw a couple walking in the park and they had matching uh, little walkers, rollers. Uh-huh. And my wife was like, that's going to be us one day. And I was like, uh-uh. Right. I'm not going to make it that old. Right. I'm going to be gone. I would need you to – you need – the, the best thing for all of us, the girls go to college – Mm, you know maybe I le- I'll make it to like 55 yeah but like and then I die you get to start a brand new life yeah you get a reinvention you go eat pray love around the world the girls have an independent mom who's got a ton of money now because I had a great fucking life insurance plan like I just can't like getting old really freaks me out like being yeah. an old man
3: right freaks I think me my out. father felt that way I think when he died it was the end it was time for him to die in his mind he had accomplished raising kids well put us through college my sister was just out of college, and I almost feel like he went. I did it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a happy guy. I don't want to be around things. are only gonna get worse in my life. Goodbye.
0: Uh, I just. I mean, I, I get maybe. I, maybe I'll change. Like I. Oh, I couldn't imagine 40 when I was younger. Yeah. And now I'm like, why? Like 44 is around the corner. 45 doesn't seem that bad. I don't yeah. mind getting up to 47. Like you start thinking like that, but I just I the the I like being 70 freaks me the fuck out.
3: Yeah. I, I look forward to seventy. Really? I'm fifty now, which sucks because I'm on that cusp of being at the peak, like you know, being a guy that is considered as a showrunner, a yeah. headliner, boom, all, and then you know, you start to see it slip. It's, I'm not seeing it really yet, but I know it's right fucking there, and it's, it's gonna hurt.
0: It's it's there only if, like, I know what you're saying, but like, it's not there. Like, right. Does that, like for Ron White, it's not there. Yeah. He like that's Louis C.K.
3: didn't make it till later.
0: Yeah. Oh, you don't want to be. I'm not. You don't want to be the guy that's 18 years old that's the hottest thing in comedy. Yeah. Because that just doesn't end well. Right. You don't want to be the guy that's 23. The guy that's 32. Maybe he can make yeah. it. Chances are he won't.
3: You want to be 36. When,
0: when you want to be the the Bill Burr men- mentality of like 44. And really fucking killing it. Yeah. Because then you can work into your 50s. Yeah. And then once you're 56, people are like, I'll still go to a 1,200 seater and watch him. Mm -hmm. Like, Louie, Ron White, like, all those guys seem to have the trajectory I'd rather. Yeah. Like, we were talking about retirement funds with my wife. And I'm like, I'm not fucking retiring. Like, I will not retire. I'm going to keep working. Yeah. Like, in my head, I was like, I guess I'll just do cruise ships? Like, that's
3: the thing that people go like, oh, it must be sad to age as a comedian. Okay, here's my worst case scenario. I'm on a cruise ship for free with my wife, doing 45 minutes of comedy and getting paid. That's yeah. That's my worst case scenario. That's I, not bad.
0: I'd like to be. I'd like to be. Um, like I don't know if this exists, but like, uh, I, I think I'd be a much better older man comedian than a younger guy. Really? Like if I told my stories like a, like, like well, when I was 22, I got involved with the Russian mafia. Yeah. Everyone's Merle like, Haggard. Yeah, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like a date like, yeah, that's it. Merle Haggard. Yeah. Like, that would be, you know, I, I fought a bear.
3: Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> shut up.
0: Like, I'll probably have a big rebirth <laughs> at 65. Yeah. And, and everyone, people
3: at 65 are dirty now. They want to yeah. hear dirt. They're tired of being fucking pampered. Yeah.
0: Oh, the world will be so different. We should probably wrap this up. It's been a solid two and a half hours. No. Yeah, this has been... Holy I, I, Honestly, though, Greg, I'm being dead serious when I say this. I'm so glad I know you because I really could talk to you forever. I know, I know. I, mean, I
3: feel like we're just warming up.
0: I feel like I, I. you're one of those people that I've known in this business for so long. My entire career, I've been like, always looked up to... the, Always looked at you as like this forerunner of the direction you're blazing is the way I want to go. And obviously, I think I've mimicked it To an extent, with the podcast, and 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 and, but like I could talk to you for fucking ever. Well, thanks, man. You're one of the easiest guys to talk to.
3: I appreciate that. You're also
0: one of the guys that like you look at and you go, you're like, as long as I'm going in that direction, the same one he's in, I'm doing it right. Yeah, you know what I mean.
3: Right. Thanks, man. And I, you know, and I look at you as part of this like this death squad kind of mentality of like, I'm doing it my way yeah. is I think it's inspirational to me. And I think it keeps me more on that track and you're just your own voice. You're oh, your, whether man. you're on stage or doing this and you know, it's, it's great to just sit down with you and it's so un, unpressured. There's no agenda. Yeah. Although I think we gave a pretty good tutorial on the the business of podcasting.
0: Uh, definitely. I, by the way, t- the podcasting marketing conversation was one of the hardest I've ever laughed. Of like, I've had a beard like that is yeah. I, this has been right. a great podcast. The more the more exciting part of this. This is one of my favorite things. Is I like I did this with Bobby Kelly and with Christina Pajzinski. I'll do it with Ralph Garman, but this one will be one where when I release it, I know the exact time I'll release it because it's right when my Libsyn numbers dip out for the day. Yeah, and I'll release it right at that hour. It's like six o'clock on Tuesday night. And I'll just watch the numbers skyrocket.
1: Oh, no
3: shit. You watch it like that. Oh,
0: fuck yeah. I look to see what my downloads are for the first day.
3: Wow.
0: They've increased by, I won't give exact numbers, but by 50% on my first day downloads. No shit. First day downloads have increased by 50%. And you think
3: the key is putting it at exactly 6 o'clock on Wednesday?
0: No. The key is that I have stopped interviewing people i don't care about right and i've only interviewed people that i really want to talk
3: to that's so funny you say that because lately my podcasts i think have been strong and i look at it and it's because like i just who did i just have on that was so fucking great that is not a big name um i can't remember who it was but I realized like that's when I come through. If I'm interviewing somebody that I don't know, I'm servicing them. Yeah. I research, yeah, I have a producer and he puts together a script with a bio yeah. and I and I'm trying to like, you know, do a chronological interview about and I just realized at the end of it all I did was ask questions. I didn't come through. Yeah. And if the guest is a dud, the podcast is fucking it could be one that, like, Ugh. say, I do your podcast, and and a bunch of people go, "I'm going to listen to Fitzdog Radio because I like this." And they listen, and they catch that dud, they're fucking done. Yeah, I can't afford to have one where I'm not at least being in control or being myself because I'm being fucking Tom Brokaw or Charlie Rose.
0: I would. I had my biggest flaw was I was having people on where I was ha- where I was not being myself, and like, and I had this moment of clarity where I was like. First of all, first and foremost, I'm a fan of comics. I'm a fan of comedy. Like, I did a podcast with Bobby Kelly, like, probably two weeks ago. And I was like, "This might be one of the best podcasts I've ever done." Yeah, because I love Bobby. I, lo- I like, he a, makes l- me I laugh, and I just love being around him. And and I just, and I was like, "This is an engaged conversation. This is why you listen to a podcast." Right. This is me talking about stuff to him where I don't feel like I'm fanboying out because I've known him for so long. But anyone that's listening, to this that's what they'd want to hear. Yeah. And I started going, "Oh, this is okay. This is what I should be doing." There's a lot of people out there that I was like, like I was like, "Ah, bring them in, sure." Yeah, and, and then you and then you're interviewing them. I was like, no, no, no. The best ones, like my favorite ones that you do. I'm being serious. When you and Rogan go on and you do Rogan, and you guys are on for like three hours plus. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and it's not, it's not an interview. It's just a hang. You're right. And you're like, oh, this is fucking. And you guys are going back and forth, and you're disagreeing and agreeing, yeah. and and it's just fucking hanging out. Yeah. That's what I like. I don't like the fucking. So tell me. Yeah. And so I was like, and then. I think I got to a place where I was like, oh, I can just do the people I want to hang out with. And if I, if I do for them fucking three times a year, that's, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's a good podcast. No,
3: I'm a big believer in that. I think if you can get like Andy Kindler for me is like a guy. I want Andy him Kindler in is, four times a year.
0: I, Andy Kindler and I are, f- are f- oh, by the way, the one little caveat of this whole story with Kurt Metzger and Amy is that uh, Barry Crimmins came out in support of Kurt. No, he didn't. Yeah. And said. No shit. said, as a person who's been raped. I will tell you that Kurt has a great heart, and what he's saying is right. You cannot have a witch hunt. Right. And was like – and came out in support of Kurt, but also said, I think, which is very true, hey, man, once you've been raped, there's a lot of things you don't know why you do them, and a witch hunt could possibly be one of those things that you would do and be like, I don't know, I want justice, but I don't want to do it the conventional way. It was a really – I, I, I'd i implore anyone and whatever I said about the Amy Schumer Kurt Barry Crimmins thing fucking take it with a grain of salt I ba- I barely read at all I'm dyslexic and I can't see very good no so, shit yeah I'm dyslexic and I, my vision's going wow so I'm I kind of half read shit yeah so um but yeah that was an interesting part I don't why would why, why I just talk about oh Andy the reason I said that Andy Kendall introduced me to Barry Crimmins and said um hey Barry's a really funny comic, and Barry was very nice. I was like, oh, thanks, Andy. You didn't have to do that. But Andy's someone I'd like to have on here, but I only know him. Did then- you have
3: Barry on? No, I'd have I've Barry on. I've had Barry on. He's fucking
0: great. I'd have Barry on in a heartbeat. Yeah. But that would be one I feel like I might end up. He's someone that I'd probably geek out over, so it would be yeah. okay. Yeah. Like Andy's someone I'd geek out over. It would be okay. But like- you
3: won't geek with Andy because he won't let you. I he he spins, he, he laugh, just so. keeps spinning off into a rift. I had him on one, one podcast and he started singing Ventura Highway, but changing the words to shit on Hollywood. <laughs> it went on for, I'm not kidding you, 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes straight. And I was on all fours, cramping up. Oh. And once he gets you laughing, he just turns the screw. He
0: is so. He told a story at Ari Shafir's Stor, Ari storytelling Oh, room. yeah, I was there. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was. It's just, like, and I love when he thinks it's not going well.
3: Like, right. I love yeah, it. Yeah, 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 Because that's why, that's everyone in comics head, but he's vocalizing it. Yeah. He is so fucking funny. Yeah, he's the best. He's so unique. And it's a shame if you don't live in L.A. because he doesn't do the road a lot. Yeah. But the, but the privilege of watching Andy Kindler live at a small place and perhaps not doing well, it just doesn't get any better than that.
0: Why is it that it's, it's even better when he's not doing great?
3: Because that's when he really spins out. That's when he, like, he finds... I mean, there's a few comic Kevin Meaney's like that. Yeah. Todd Glass is like that.
0: Oh. Todd Glass has, has his, uh, which I guess would be audibles, when he decides, when he sh- goes from the shotgun and realizes, fuck, they're blitzing, I got to run somewhere yeah, yeah. else. He's like Kenny Stabler. Yeah. Like, I want to watch him fucking <laughs> scramble. Like, I want to watch him scramble more than I want to watch him... Yeah. St- Stop back two steps, throw a pass yeah. up the middle for a completion. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something. Dimitri Martin, I want to see him take the hand, just hand it off, hand yeah. it off. But man.
3: With them, there's no thought. What they're saying is coming out of their mouth at the exact moment they're thinking it. Yeah. And it's true to what's going on in there. In there, it's like their id is just coming out on stage.
0: He did. Todd Glass did a thing one time for a, a whatchamacallit, a, uh, he was warming up the audience for a taping yeah and someone came out to say something and he went thanks and I think the guy said you don't know my name and Todd goes no I know you I know everyone's name and he said uh, let's real quick let's do a thank you to everyone in the staff he's like turn the house lights on and he's like Bill Steve Jerry Donnie uh, Ricky Steve these are all the Bill, production guys all the production guys yeah I want everyone to give them all a round of applause and the fucking all the cameramen all the production guys are doubled over laughing yeah and the guy goes, there's none of our names.
3: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Fucking so great. Yeah, and he totally he sells it. He totally sold it. Yeah, you know, that guy shows up at a club a day early. Yeah. And he goes in and he adjusts all the lights, puts gels on certain lights. Yeah. Goes through the sound system, reworks the board. He'll have them buy a new microphone. He brings his own microphone.
0: That makes That's sense That's what he does Yeah
3: Brings his own microphone Arranges the seats Goes through Redoes the whole fucking club For free Really? Yeah He did And then talks to the people About how they're how they're seating How they're policing the crowd When the checks go down Everything
0: I've come into clubs That he has just left And I go in and I go Man What did you guys do At the green room They're like Todd Glass was here Yeah He bought a lamp <laughs> You're like, really? Yeah. "Yeah." He didn't like the lighting. He said it was giving him anxiety, so he bought a lamp and put that curtain up so you don't see the water heater anymore. Yeah. And I was like, really? This looks nice. He uh, he did one of my favorite things ever that uh, ever, and that was um, in Irvine. This is maybe I mean I'm going to say 20 years ago. I don't know. I wasn't there. I've just heard rumors about it and I've always wanted people to do this to me, in Irvine, he had... He said, instead of the light, just have them start vacuuming. <laughs>
2: so, he's in a little set, and they just start vacuuming.
0: <laughs> They're just fucking vacuuming and turning over the tables that are empty and putting the chairs upside down. And I just... I, he just... But, but, like, parts of his personality... Like, it's one of those things that, like, not everyone gets. So, like, just like just like you met Leanne out there, Todd met Leanne on his way out. And uh, and Todd's like, you got to do my podcast. I really want you to do my podcast. And I go, okay, I definitely want to do it. He's talking to Leanne, and he goes, but I think, like, like if you do it, we need to make it an event. Like, well, <laughs> what we should do is you come over and have a slumber party, and then we'll wake up at, like, 7 in the morning and we'll do the podcast then we'll after the slumber party because then we'll have all that slumber party energy yeah and you know me I get wrapped up I go fuck yeah he goes we'll make a real nice dinner we'll you know we'll pre-make a breakfast and 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 we'll go to sleep we'll all sleep in the living room and I'm like that sounds great and then he leaves and Leanne goes are you out of your fucking mind she goes you're not spending the night at someone's house you're not living in LA and spending the night at Todd Glass's house and I go why not she goes because I'm not letting you you're fucking 40 years old you're sleeping in the family and you're driving to his house and you're doing his podcast and then you're coming the fuck home and, and like, he's gay yeah <laughs> I go, but it sounds like such a fun night and she's like yeah let him do it with someone else <laughs> he just, he's so fucking yeah, interesting i know i was on a train have you ever heard the have you ever heard if someone can isolate this audio it is the best have you ever heard him and rory scovel doing the sanford and son intro outro no I've never laughed so fucking hard bum, bum, bum,
1: ba-na.
0: so Todd tells the story to Rory Scovel, who hears it for the first time, I think, and Todd goes, Isn't that funny? Let's let's me and you do it. Like yeah. if it was our show. And we'll go he goes, We'll do it as Red Fox. So then they do it as Red Fox and then it just it's just Todd, just his way, they start it starts spiraling out, and he's like, let's do it as Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, huh? So he's like, let's do it. Let's do it as me, but do it, do it as like – real. do it apologetically. So it. he took the bit 19 different ways, and I was on a train. Singing the song different ways? He's got the audio done. No, you know the story – of,
3: about about him walking out on stage. There's out, nobody I ain't performing there. in front of right. ten motherfucking people. Oh, bum, so bum, that bum. line.
0: He just did that line, ladies and gentlemen. Red yeah. fox. Bum, 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 yeah. And then he comes out. I ain't performing for no ten motherfucking people. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And he's like, "Do it as Jerry Fine Seinfeld. Do it as you. Do it as you. I'll do it as me. Do it as apologetic. Like he spins it out nineteen different ways. I was on a train from Brussels to Amsterdam, and I was howling, fucking, crying, yeah. laughing yeah. at Todd doing this. And I was like, I was like, he's the most interesting person in his own little fucking yeah,
3: way, yeah, I know, and Rory is out there too. Rory is super fucking talented. he really is talented that storyteller show he did of aris he he nailed it. what was it? You know that storyteller show yeah, what was his story? um God, I don't even remember, but I just remember he was hanging off the stripper pole like really casually, and before he started his his thing, he just rambled off the top of his head for like five minutes and then i can't, you know i wish i could remember the story but i was just so blown away by how in the moment he is he's like todd he just he's rips. really
0: in the fucking moment yeah he did uh he did a show we did a show in for new year's eve in san francisco and he just I, I think he did it in character as a christian yeah and it was like so funny and in my head i was like i didn't know this guy was christian this how crazy how ballsy for yeah. a Christian comic to do this show with us. Yeah. And then he just comes up. and says, hey, man, how you doing? And I was like, that's not you? Yeah. Like he did. he's really fucking talented. I have
3: no idea why that guy's not famous. He's good looking. Yeah. He's a nice fucking guy.
0: I bet it's one of those things that he does what he does brilliantly. Yeah. And everybody, everyone wants to take him and plug him into their formula. Yeah. And they just need to give him his own show to do whatever the fuck he right.
3: wants. He is so Maybe fucking Maybe that's the talented. other show to produce. Maybe I'll think of a show for just, him. <laughs>
0: Fucking, I'd do it. I think that I'd. You know who else did a really great story? By the way, and I say this because we were talking about styles of comedy. Yeah. Nick Thune. Oh yeah. He did a story. I guess I mean I'm. Not, I'm, I'm I was always skeptical to talk about but any, any comic or whatever, but like, he did the guitar for so long, and I felt I think he felt like handicapped by it. Yeah. So he got rid of the guitar and he started doing storytelling, and he told this really great fucking story. That was small and had nuance and got bigger. And I was like, I was like, shut the fuck up. Am I not working hard enough? Yeah. Well, here I am trying to tell a zip lining story with my kids. And it's all I, felt,
3: I felt like I didn't do a great story on that one. Like I had a great idea for a story, but it just didn't have the laughs built into it. Like I saw guys going up and yeah. just crushing throughout their story. Like, Did you think they were doing bits maybe? I don't know. Because the truth is, where we were sitting, you couldn't hear the audio very well. You could get a sense of how people were doing. But I just mean, like, laughs per minute and volume of laughs. Yeah. I don't think I had that built into my set the same way. And maybe I didn't rehearse it enough, but I just felt like I wanted to tell a great story. And it didn't occur to me to crush.
0: Yeah. Louis Louis Anderson did that. He was like, I'll tell a great story. Yeah. He told a really great story about his brother... Was like the FBI most wanted.
1: Oh, really? Did you ever hear
0: that story? No. His brother was like a bank robber, one of the top bank robbers ever in the world. Yeah. And and there was one day where his brother came home and they had to hide him, and the cops, the FBI, showed up. It's a really in- no engaging shit. story, but it wasn't very funny. Yeah. And Louie got in his head and he was like, "Fuck, can I tell another story?" Yeah. So he stayed for the next show and told another story, which was really good. But like, like yeah, you know, Ari and I kind of try to sizzle down stories where like. A story doesn't need to be that funny throughout if it's got a great ending, right?
3: All you need. Well, a great my ending. ending was strong. That's all you need. It was about me being beat up on stage in Boston, so I it think was like I heard a, you tell the story. Yes, it was like a good, solid idea. It was yeah. like a, something that people were like, "Whoa, what happened?" And it had a That's strong ending. That's what you ending,
0: want in the story. So. I, my 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 story I told this year was a so funny. The meat of the story I think is not as funny as all the side accoutrements of the story, right. like the. I didn't know how to tell the story, and then I said something stupid one time on stage, and Rogan was like, that's yeah, fucking... That needs to be in it. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then I told it, and then I... The end where Ari gets on stage with me is funnier than the whole fucking story. Yeah. And I then, hope they and keep one that. one slip up. One Do slip they keep up. that in the show? Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Because hopefully they'll keep it, because it's much funnier the story. And then one slip up. I tried to say I was these people's... I meant to say Rosa Parks or Harriet Tubman, but I said Rosa Tubman... <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize what I had said, and they started laughing, and I was like, "It's not that funny." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. And then I got Anne Frank and Helen Keller in the story, and so, and, a, and then I realized there's got to be a moment. In, it was a brilliant improv in the moment that I was very lucky to have, but I've tried to since recreate it, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, it yeah. was like, "Oh, that was lost," and right. it's that one taping it worked, and I never can recreate it. Right, but yeah. A storytelling show good.
3: It's a great idea, and Ari's. It's unbelievable that every every th- time he goes up between acts, he's got new funny stories. He's he's, he's a fucking inexhaustible. Machine. He is a machine. Yeah. I have so much respect for that guy. Starting with the shit that he used to do, like going into the hood, you know, with a KKK uniform, like all the shit he's done has always been ballsy.
0: When he that when he did when he picked up the day laborers, and drove them to immigration. I really honestly oh, don't think I've that. ever laughed so hard in my life. Yeah. He pulls up in a truck to Home Depot, and he's like, hey, guys, we're building a deck. Let's go. And they all yeah. jump in, and he goes, they don't know where I'm taking them. And he pulls up to the immigration offices, and, he, and he's like, La Migra! And they start running like crazy. It was just such a oh funny... Oh, Like, it was... And, like, he loved that shit.
3: Yeah. He's, a, he's an interesting guy. He really is. He's a good... Person. He is. You know, just shit like he gave us all a very nice gift for doing his show. I got some, yeah. I, got, then, I still
0: got, I got two gifts because, uh, he's like, I think your wife would enjoy one of these.
3: You know, I got two gifts also. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then, um, like the, the night we rehearsed it at the, at the comedy store, he split the money at the door with everybody. Like he's just a fair-minded person. He, I was going to New York to uh, – I was running this show for FX. And uh, so I go to New York, and I was going to be there for like six weeks. And I was like, yeah, I got to find a place. He's like, dude, I'm going to be in Australia for a month just take my place just uh, take it
0: the one on like 11th or the
3: one on uh yeah it was in the east village yeah it's east village it's yeah. a great fucking place yeah it was a great place oh it's a great fucking and he's, place i like second drawer down and i opened it up it's like filled with weed and he's like didn't want any money just fucking stay there yeah he's such a nice dude he's
0: uh he called me up and he was like i don't it was really bizarre he's like uh hey man i think you need some time alone with friends and i was like okay and he's like i'm doing this show in calgary it's just going to be a few of us we're going up. Um, he's like, whatever money I'll make at the door, I'll just we'll all split it, and we'll cover uh, flights up. They're going to give us the condo. We'll go to Stampede. We'll have a great time. But he's like, I really, like, he was very adamant. He goes, I really think you need to get away from your family and be with, like, comics and, and really? friends. And I was like, okay. In my head, I was like, I, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. So then Leanne, he texts me. Leanne sees the text and goes, I think he's right. She's like, I think you should go and cut fucking loose. Yeah. No worries about business. You do one show. It's no pressure. Just go up. And she's like, it'll pay for itself. She should do this. And yeah. I was like, fucking seriously? She was like, yeah. And so I went. We went to Stampede and went to Calgary. And it was a fucking blast. Yeah. Yeah. No, we went on stage and I never had been more free on stage. Yeah. I shot a vlog about it. So I was like in my head, I was like, well, I got to get it to pay for itself more than that. So I shot a vlog Ari got lost. He threw up on a kid. Yeah. And yeah, it was fucking hilarious. We did a podcast fucking <laughs> through the roof and I got video to it. I got to post that. But yeah, it was like fucking great. And Ari was like, I'll sleep. Ari's like, I'll sleep on the floor. Like, he was on a condo, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, I'm a married man, I'm sleeping in a bed by myself. Yeah. But he's a great fucking guy. He really is. And he loves comedy, man. Yeah, he like does. Like, he loves, and, you know, and I hope I didn't sound like I shit on him uh, in that Calgary thing, but, like, he fucking scraps his material. Mm-hmm. New special, I'm working on yeah. it all.
3: Yeah, yep. I'm like, shit. Yeah, I want to be more like him.
0: Uh, I'm just trying to work out this fucking zip lining bit.
3: Hey, can I plug some dates? Yeah, please, please, please. I'm sorry. All right, coming up. Oh shit, my phone died. All right, I'm gonna have to tell you approximate dates. Okay, are um, they on your website? Fort yeah, Fort Lauderdale Improv, I believe, is September 1st through the 4th, and then I'm working at the Cleveland Hilarities in September.
0: I want to do Hilarities. It's a great room. I used to do the Improv. I did not. That was a yeah. Very...
3: No, Hilarities is the place to perform. Um, and then I'm going to be, what you, what's your website Fitzdog.com. And then, well, and, and, uh, and then I'll be in Calgary actually at yuck yucks in oh, September. That's
0: I love that club.
3: And then October 16th, I think it is. I'm doing a benefit. Would you like to do a benefit October 16th? It's a Sunday night. I would love to. It's for best buddies, which is a group I work with. It's for uh, special needs people. Fuck, and yeah. we're going to have some big acts and we're going to fill up, fill up the main room. I love make to. some money. And, uh, so big names to be announced on that. And, uh, I think that's all I need to, did I fuck up my plugs? No, <laughs> you're like,
0: I love that you go, you want to do it? I go, yeah. And he goes, and some big names to be announced on that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I was looking at your calendar. I can't find your dates uh, on your calendar.
3: It's at the top of the website. Small. I got to, I got to change it. You got a good web designer?
0: Uh, yeah. Steve Axworthy. He's pretty great.
3: Yeah. My website sucks right now. Yeah. If anybody out there listening is a web designer, and you want to help me out, email me at fitzdogradio at gmail.com.
0: I'll tell you what. Here's what – if you want to help out, this is what I, I wish people would do more often. The dates he just announced, make artwork for him. Just make like a Greg Fitzsimmons in a Calgarian fucking stampede outfit. Thing with the Calgary on the date, the thing, so you have it, and you can promote your shows with it. What like, on Twitter? And- like on Twitter, and post it on Twitter, or put yeah. it on Instagram, or send it to Greg. That's some of the coolest thing. When people do artwork for you, yeah. it fucking gets me so jazzed. That's really nice. So, so to put someone make something, tag me in it, like so I can see it. I'll retweet it. Tag Rogan. Rogan will retweet it. Yeah, and just say, Hey, Greg Fitzsimmons is in Calgary. It, make this. You ready for this? I know you guys want Rogan and Ari to love you guys. So this is it. Make artwork for calgary and because we all do calgary yeah tag rogan ari myself in it and greg and make it for greg's date in calgary and we will all retweet it and you'll get fucking you'll get 87 retweets i love it yeah all right all right reaching uh, out and your podcast uh Fits
3: dog radio it's on uh, tuesdays and fridays on itunes just had uh tuesdays and fridays tuesdays and fridays it comes out who you just have on just had corolla uh just had joey diaz a bunch of bunch of good names uh the girl from the the office uh, melora harden who played uh michael's girlfriend in the office yeah Yeah. she's great she's been on a bunch of times blonde chick uh she was blonde. now she's darker yeah she's hot
0: yeah she's gorgeous yeah
3: yeah she was fun
0: um this is going to be a big podcast i can already tell Good. Any, anytime anyone's like, "Oh shit, there are three hours." Yeah, oh really? Yeah, they're gonna. Oh fuck yeah! Where are we at now? Three hours. We're at, at two forty-seven, but I'm gonna do a Jesus. really long Mark Marin intro. <laughs> 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 By the way, Mark, I know that I'm, I'm not <laughs> shitting on you. I love you. I just <laughs> I thought that uh, yeah. Mark's gonna be like, "I see him at the store." Be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." It rocks both ways, Bert. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, hey man, I appreciate you doing this. All right, thank, thank you, you very honey. much.